Jeez, it's been so long since we've seen you, Timmy Bobby Rusty. I think it's been ten years at least. How are you, Doom? You were always so dedicated, too. I can only imagine what you've been doing all this time. It's so good to see you guys. I've been stuck in a boarding school for so long, I can hardly remember anything else. I just know you agree that no one else should ever have to be put in a place like that, though. What? 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 Where did you get a crazy idea like that? You've changed! You sure have. Come on, guys, we can't possibly cooperate with ideas that loony. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome, this is RPG Backtrack number 214, Echoes in My Mind. I am Phil Willis, and this is the man who... Needs no introduction, Mr. Mike Mickey. But you gave me one anyway, so thank you, Phil. <laughs> That's just the kind of guy I am. I just keep on giving. Your munificence will not be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Well, we also have some other people who like to give and give and give some more. We have Miss Cassandra Ramos. Hello, everybody. How goes things? Good. They are good. We have Mr. Scarpenter. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing? Uh, doing okay right now. <laughs> yeah? I'll okay, Josh, I have to ask. If we were yeah. to ever do Earthbound again, would the fact that there is a character called Carpainter be extremely unfortunate for you in connection <laughs> yeah. with Phil's naming? <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> okay. That may be... That may eventually come to pass. I don't know. <laughs> we have Miss Kill Ryan. Oh man, we do redoing Earthbound. Does that mean I have to actually finish it? It would help. <laughs> uh, I got very bored with that game. Well, finish, that's I'll no finish. excuse. You'll have to finish it anyway. Oh, I have to finish. I've it finished games that bored me. <laughs> well, this is true. Mike has finished a lot of damn boring games. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll finish Earthbound sometime. 
unfortunate hazard of reviewing games around RP Gamer. Yep. Would you rather we did it a few years ago when it wasn't on the virtual console and you would have had to get the original cartridge? <laughs> um, sure, if RP Gamer wanted to pay for me a cartridge. <laughs> oh, you know RP Gamer never goes above and beyond providing uh, publisher-provided review copies, and Nintendo has never provided one of those. So you'd be, you would have to get it on your own. <laughs> Well, you know, I've had to come to terms with the fact that my SNES collection, if RPG collection, will never be complete because of that game, so I'll be okay. Well, you've got to have the original box and the original full manu- uh, guide, too. That's, yeah, that, when it... That's not optional. When it comes to SNES games, I'm happy with just the card, because tracking down CIB for those can be pretty hectic. Those boxes don't hold up very well over the years. Hardly anybody ever kept them. I know I did. Some did. <laughs> I've, I've found just... that they, send, they tend to get torn up and destroyed pretty easily, too. Yeah, I, th- I think my one CIB uh, game is East 3. The rest of them, it's all just carts. Wow. And in and, and Japan, however, it's a different story. They, you could find nothing, but it's actually harder to find cart just carts by themselves than uh, the box in Japan. I'm not terribly surprised. And and they keep them in pristine co- condition. Oh, of course. It's just a shame I can't read Japanese. <gasps> well, you can always use the incredibly laborious but better than nothing method of having a translation and scrolling through it as you read the text on the TV. Yes. Yes. Or Which you is know, how I played Sakura Wars 1 through 4. <laughs> Or, you know, try to hold up my phone with Google Translate to the TV, though I find that doesn't work very well. <laughs> yep. Oh, what a shock! Has anybody read the uh, Press X to Translate for Final Fantasy IV? No. No. Uh, just a sec while I get it off the shelf, because it contains some very interesting translations, courtesy of Google's amazing algorithms. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I get enough can't. of those at work every day. I feel like this can't end well. <laughs> it's just a nagging suspicion. Yes, on the back, we have this wonderful translation. Paromu, the enema is saying that you should not wear a basketball. <laughs> as as everyone remembers, enemas and basketballs were prominent in Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> <laughs> And or the wonderful quote, if you wish to fight in a good heart, shake it to the ashes that are in the East. <laughs> the and, machines aren't quite ready to replace us yet. And this is no, relevant, they're not. This is relevant to our topic because this game was originally only available in Japanese. Yes, very much so on the Famicom. And, and one more gl- glorious machine translation. Come and grab that you are sunk. I will not be able to take you from my bad days if I do not smoke until now. It's catchy <laughs> to the junior high school students. <laughs> oh, good lord. And no, I cannot invent things that garbled on my own. I have to read from a written page to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing we don't have to read from written pages are love or hatred for Fire Emblem Echoes Shadow of Valencia. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this and, and to see uh, see y'all's opinion on it. So we're going to jump into that. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back. We're going to talk about Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. This was developed by Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo, released on the Nintendo 3DS in Japan on April 20th, 2017, here in North America, May 19th, 2017. This is a single-player tactical RPG experience. And, uh, oh boy, do I have feelings and opinions on this, but, but, but we're going to save my feelings and opinions for the end because we like to start off talking about silly little things like story and characters and game systems. So who wants to talk about the story of Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Olympia? I think we should maybe go a little bit into development since, as we hinted at earlier, this is a enhanced remake of a much older game that wasn't localized initially. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, Nintendo kind of you know, lost out big time with its Dragon Quest bet way back when, and I think it was a little more hesitant for years to come. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, ma- I mean, I imagine it's kind of funny that it's Fire Emblem that became the popular one when Shining Force out day- <laughs> came out first in North America. Well, yeah. Shining, Shining Force was popular at the time, but then Sega was Sega. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Sega, you hurt me so bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm still bitter about three, if you can't tell. But, um, so the story I heard about the development of that game is that they didn't have a chance to uh, get something going for the Switch right away, but they still wanted a Fire Emblem game out in between. So that's why they kind of dusted off um, Gaiden and decided to do a remake. Yeah, that's the basic gist. Uh, Fire Emblem Gaiden came out in March 14th of 1992 in Japan. Um, as the name implies, it's a side story to the very first game taking place on a different continent in the same world. A couple of the characters show up as well uh, from the first game, but otherwise it's largely unconnected with the remake making the connections uh, more apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's actually pretty amazing when you think about what they did to Gaiden. Like, uh, much of the story was in the manual. Uh, most of the characters, except for Alm and Selica, only had, like, one or maybe two lines each. Uh, so for the remake, they had to, like, give these people more, uh, give these people personality, have them speak a lot, not just in supports, but during story and in, cer- in certain outside events. Uh, they like added a lot to the story, made it more connected to the current lore. I mean, imagine like the, the closest equivalent I can think of is like imagine they took Zelda two and turned that into like a modern Zelda with one of the like be- better stories in the series. That's how crazy this. So this, not like Breath of the Wild, but a different Zelda. <laughs> yeah, but still like with modern certain modern quality of life and a better story and actual characters. I, I, I mean, now kind of want that game. <laughs> I, no, I'm wanting it too. I'm I'm kind of reminded of how they took uh, the Game Boy Metroid and recently, you know, put a shine on it and actually gave it a story and hmm. uh, made that experience a lot fit a lot more with a modern Metroid game. Yeah, because but yeah, but like Gaiden was the long time the black sheep of the series because other than not being localized, it was very difficult. Um, kind of annoying as I understand some mechanics. The characters could barely earn any stats whenever they leveled up. Uh, it was unnecessarily hard, and they made a lot of the, a lot of those improvements with the remake. So again, it's pretty astonishing. 
Well, it was back in that era where it seemed like uh, the the second game, you know, it was almost like they didn't even know what a sequel was supposed to be yet in a video game. So lots of those second oh, yeah. games to went in totally different left field directions. From the See also Castlevania 2. Yeah. And Final Fantasy for that matter. Final Fantasy 2, which broke yeah. the saga. Yeah. yeah. And Super Mario Brothers doesn't count because that does. <laughs> Something <laughs> entirely different. Exactly. Okay, so I guess we should go into the story proper then? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. The story that is considerably more ample than it was in 1992. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to maybe reference Gaiden here and there. Uh, so in Shadows of Valentia, long ago, there were two sibling gods, Mila and Duma. Uh, I can already go into where they... You, you could say they kind of retconned them for this, because in the first game, they were in the original Gaiden, they were just gods, but they are explained as being divine dragon monarchies from Arcanea, which is the continent that Marf's games take place on, and Awakening. Uh, they had been banished from Arcanea to Valentia, and then decided, okay, these people want us to worship as gods, we'll become gods. But they didn't, couldn't agree on how to rule the people. Duma wanted to rule with strength, didn't want uh, people to become lazy and idolent and wanted to work them hard, but Mila wanted to give them all the luxuries of life so they could pursue lives of comfort and happiness. They fought for a long time and eventually reached an, a divine accord. Duma would rule the north and Mila would rule the south, and none of them would ever tread on the other's land. And both of their lands ended up exemplifying their tendencies to the utmost. One yes. with a full... The, for some reason, the... The area under Mila's control, I think, is supposed to be like the upper class of Rome. Remember all the, the patricians who would just sit around and have grapes fed to them by slaves yeah. while whiling away the days doing nothing? Yeah, the Zo- yeah, Zofia is the name of the nation. And they all go. became idolent and um, corrupt while the, uh, well, the, um, the Regalian Empire in the north became harsh and they forgot in kindness. Um, in the modern era... Uh, Mila has apparently disappeared. So the and, and then monsters started appearing because um, people from Regal started to cross over into Zofia unannounced and causing trouble. So the the accord was broken, and that makes monsters appear. Uh, in so I guess we could start. I guess, no, I guess we should really start off because there's like this little prologue that they added in Shadows of Valentia, uh, featuring which also helps to serve as a bit of a tutorial. Yeah, mm-hmm. that too. You see them as young children with um, a few other characters uh, that were, well, three of them were the original game. One of them is entirely new. You have Tobin. uh, uh, Faye is the new character. She's a only girl in that group. Gray and... Why am I... Yeah, no, it's just just Gray and Tobin. Oh, no, right. What's his his name? No, Cliff, of course. Cliff, the guy voiced by Chris Patton. Uh, so, uh, all Celica are getting along very, have gotten along very well. Celica uh, did not originally live there. She came from somewhere. Uh, Alm's grandfather, Mycin, brought her there. Now, no one, they don't, they can't say why she's there, but she's apparently hiding from something. Eventually, some uh, villains approach the village and recognize her, trying to kidnap Celica. The kids fight her off, and then Mycin joins in, and then, uh, takes and then drives them away, but then he realizes that she's not there. Celica. 
and then takes and then takes her away to somewhere else. And but the, they, in case you can't the, guess, Celica, Celica's origin will prove important. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so alarms, but but they're hoping to meet each other again. Uh, seven years later, uh, we start in the Ram Village, and Alm is training and hoping to be able to leave the village and you know make a name for him. Eventually, uh, some people from the from the resistance movement, because there's a uh, an usurper to the throne named Desai had killed the king and killed almost pretty much all of his family. They, they think all of his family, but there's actually a few survivors. And they, you know, he's not the rightful ruler. They and they also know that he got help from the Regalian Empire. So first they need to overthrow him, and then maybe do something about Regal. Uh, the um, Lucas is the leader of these people, and, and will eventually join the um, the team. He wants to, he wants Mycin to join them, but Mycin refuses, so Alm decides to go instead. And he, you can also recruit the other characters there: Tobin, Gray, Cliff, and Faye. And from there, you you go over to and you go over to and eventually uh, kick Desay uh, and kill him. Um, and from- learn that yes, he was indeed taking lots of aid from the Regalian Empire, and if yes. we don't go up north and invade Regalia, then nothing will be solved. Yes. And they'll probably start invading, too, and obviously that's why there's terrors about the uh, the monsters. Um, at pr- apparently roughly the same time, Selica is at a, a uh, some kind of faraway monastery on an island. I forget the exact name. And she wants... Actually, first she has a terrible dream about Alm being killed by the Emperor of Regal, Rudolph. And she also spurned to try to find out exactly what happened to Mila, because the crops are failing, there's monsters appearing, there's just not good stuff happening. So she goes off and is joined by a couple of char- by a couple of characters, Bowie, May being primary, also, and they, they talk a lot during the story. There's also Jenny. Um, they, they join up with some other people, and they eventually do make it to Mila's temple, where they find out that, yes, Mila has indeed gone missing. And you find out why. It's because uh, the uh, Emperor Rudolph had invaded there and uh, used the um, a sword, which you find out later is the falchion. She refers to it as the King's Fan Fang. And you'll later find out how this falchion exists at the same time as Marf's falchion. Uh, he ta- uses the falchion to steal her power and eventually take her away. Um, it's, it's somewhere around this point that Alma and Selica reunite. In a fairly touching scene, you kind of get this, this whole like C, uh, CGI sequence, only to very quickly get into an argument and um, not want to speak to each other for a while. And then, uh, and then like, an and earthquake happens. I, and I found that particular parts. moment to be possibly influenced by the 1992 version to the point where it just seems too truncated. Where two people who had such a connection would t- would speak for two minutes, get into an argument. What you need, you would need you to invade Regalia. Yes, Celica. What, what else do you expect me to do? They're not going to stop. Well, we've got to come up with some other way of doing it. Uh, no, we're going to we're going to just leave in a huff, and then a convenient earthquake will come along to separate us for the rest of the game. <laughs> I mean, he inadvertently insulted her family. I, that, although she doesn't really like her father that much, understandably, the former king. Um, and somewhat her, because he's like, if only that princess could just that so-called missing princess could just come out. Just come back, and then maybe I wouldn't have to do all this. And she's like, "There is no missing princess." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So from there, they have to pursue. 
they pursue different their you know different goals. Selica tries to find some way to end any possible war and all needs to invade uh, the Regalian Empire to stop them. Selica's aim naturally involves much much fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, of course, there's at least all those darn monsters roaming around. <laughs> well, and for some reason, there are a lot of very dark forces in the Regalian Empire that may not seem to take orders directly from the Emperor, but they are definitely out and about and being nasty to people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a, like, you could tell this is an older game because there's just some random stuff going around. Uh, on Selica's route, there's just these pirates causing trouble. And if you defeat them, you get a few characters joining you, Valbar and his team. Well, it wouldn't be a Fire Emblem game if we didn't have some maps on a boat. Well, yes, of course. Also, it wouldn't be Fire Emblem if there weren't just random pirates and or bandits causing yeah. trouble. And then also, there's also, uh, is it, I think it's also on Alms Road, he has to deal with a witch on Fear Mountain named Nui Baba, who's causing trouble. I can't remember. I, I know you, you get some new teammates from defeating her. You get Tatiana and Zeke, but I, I can't remember why they do that other than just, why not? Let's take this detour. Uh, was, it, was it Selica or Alm who has to defeat one commander and the other one joins? Uh, um, that's, I, I want I think that's Selica. I think that's Selica, yeah, because that's, uh, that's either Sonia or Dean. And I, I, I got Dean, and I did didn't know at the time that I could get Sonia. Instead, I ended up killing her in a fight and had no idea that, oh, I could have gotten that witch who was actually pretty good because having a witch on my team would have been really useful. So she, she she won't be the witch class. She's a mage, uh, which is odd because in the original in the original uh, uh, Gaiden, she was a witch, but also her class changed to mage when she joined up. But the witches are a little different. Rather than just being a regular class, the witches are women whose souls have been sacrificed to Duma, and which amplifies their magic powers, but they don't have a mind of their own anymore and only follow orders. Guys, but the most important thing, is that they can all teleport and just kill off your weakest kid before you even know what happened. Well, you forget that so part. They've been empowered by an evil god slash divine dragon monarchy, and of course they can. <laughs> to break the rules, I don't know who plays this on hardcore mode, but you're a much better player than I am because people no, I die. Had, I actually had I had trouble with trying to. I tried to get Dean first and beat uh, Sonia, but she was so much trouble for me. I just. Switched to the other side and got to recruit Sonia. Although she's got a, she's actually a really neat character. Uh, she's got a very interesting backstory because you find out that she's uh, the daughter to one of the uh, to the major bat one of the major bad guys in this, and that her sisters have been turned to witches. So there's a neat backstory there. And uh, and also I she's that's a reason for me to try the game again in the future in order to get Sonia because huh. Dean. Well, something that we need to mention right now, which I think is important, is that. Unlike just about every other Fire Emblem, you don't have a ton of characters. You have just enough to fill out a map on an outdoor battlefield. And mm-hmm. I mean, technically you have a ton of characters, but because they're split between two different parties, it feels like you don't have that many. True. Even true. when you combine them, though. Really? There's something it, it, like 32 or so total characters, which is lower than most Fire Emblem games. Huh. That is true. I mean, to be, well, if Fates had such a glut of unnecessary characters, I kind of like this. Yeah, that's true. 32 is a lot of characters in the grand scheme of things. It is, but when you divide it across two teams that do not meet until the very end of the game, unless you go into the bonus dungeon, <laughs> and realize that you can have as many characters as you currently hold in an outdoor battlefield, and that's a tactical game. So that doesn't feel like as much because. 
that's a tip that's a fairly typical battle team size for a fire emblem game 15 yeah. 16 characters and, once and you get your game there is permadeath of still so you know yeah and unlike pretty much any other fire emblem game you don't have a big pile of characters whom you've received and that Oh, well, I, I'd have to make a spot in my current lineup in order to use you. So I, I guess I'm just going to keep with the people I know best. No, no, you you don't have a backbench. <laughs> I mean, you you might have a couple of characters you use less. I find, although you would want to rotate them. But I, I guess, but I guess we could get back to that in the mechanics. Um, yeah. uh, so I guess to skip uh, ahead, it, it, so Alms Party eventually, Alms uh, Army, the Resistance Army eventually does reach Regal Castle. And he kills uh, Emperor Rudolph and finds out that Alm himself... Is, oh, Drat, I completely forgot about Burkut. Uh, and his... Okay, so let's backtrack a bit. Very interesting villain. You were about to say the big spoiler, weren't you? I mean, it's from a game from 1992. Come on. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway. And, and this is the backtrack where we spoil everything. So, yes, yes, yes. we have to so, say it. But Okay, but let's step back to Burkut, who is a completely new character. There's a couple of completely new characters to uh, to Echoes, to Shadows of Valentia. One of them is uh, Burkut, who is part of the Regalian Empire. He is the apparent heir uh, to the Empire because apparently the Emperor never had children of his own. Um, and his, he's his, and he's, um, his uncle, Burkut, tries to defeat Alm uh, on numerous occasions, but he's just not able to. He's like, I can't defeat this farm boy, and it drives him absolutely crazy. He even recruits a little help from the Duma faithful, which is the creepy religion that worships Duma. And even like having like these zombies crawl out and try to attack him isn't able to defeat him. Um, so he does eventually, he, he, he starts falling into madness, especially when uh, the Regalian Empire, the, the Emperor Rudolph tells him to stay out of it while I'll handle all myself. Uh, and he just yells at his uncle to, you know, please reconsider. There's a practically a, a practically meme-worthy line where he yells, uncle. <laughs> okay, and then... Um, let's see. Anyway, so yeah, that's Burkut. So to go back to when Alm kills Rudolph, Rudolph reveals to Alm that he is in fact his father and Alm is the imperial prince that has been long lost and somehow hidden for all these years. And this causes Alm no small amount of soul searching given that he has been demonizing Emperor Rudolph and the Burkutians for a very long time at this point. Yes. And it's not, I mean, it's obviously a shock and it's a, especially a huge shock to Burkut when he realizes I've been lied to all this time. And this kid who's been, you know, beating me at every turn is the true, is the true heir. What the, what in the actual heck? And this causes him to spiral and to break down even more. Um, on Selica's side, while Selica's trying to find some way to stop the war, she does meet with um, the leader of the Duma faithful, how am I forgetting his, his name? Jeddah, who looks really creepy, and he's trying to convince her to give up her soul uh, to Duma so that she can not only prevent possibly Alm dying, but also he'd be able to bring back Mila and uh, possibly calm down Duma, because Duma, now that he's a divine dragon monarchy, has actually been slowly going mad, because that's what happens in Fire Emblem. The dragons go crazy and cause trouble. Um... Eventually, Silica does agree to it, but Jetta reveals, yeah, no, I can't actually do anything that Mila. Too bad. Um, the so evil you... bait and switch. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let me think here. Eventually, Alm realizes that he has to defeat Duma once and for all. Uh, so he goes to this uh, very lo- to this tower 
uh, which is a very, very long dungeon. Very I, mean, I didn't long think it was. Tower. I mean, I didn't think it was too long, and it's certainly better than the uh, the Thaves Labyrinth. But since that's post game, I guess yeah. that shouldn't count. Uh, he goes through this labyrinth. Uh, does have a does have this sort of astral projection meeting with? No, I guess that's before. Then he has this astral projection meeting with uh, Celica, where they do reconcile. Um, a bit. I, I don't exactly remember what happened. Well, kind of, I, I do remember being pretty touching, but to go back to the tower, uh, I don't exactly remember the order this goes in, but in the tower, he does meet with up with Berkut, who has agreed to take on Duma's power, which causes him to go completely crazy. He also sacrifices his uh, fiance Renea, and she... Becomes- who has been attempting to urge him off of this course through the entire game. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he completely... Stop. You don't need to be as single-mindedly concer- concentrated on vengeance against all as you have become, sir. Do, no, no. He's he's paying it no mind. Yeah, and she, she's also trying to tell us, it's okay. I don't care if you're emperor. I really don't. I just want to be with you. And he takes it the completely wrong way. And, uh, and also, and, yeah, just, um, and Ian Sinclair's acting throughout that is just absolutely chillingly good, but... Uh, so he's all so he's all crazy, and she's all a fiery witch, and that's a pretty neat battle right there. Uh, there's a after I believe it's after I believe it's after that. Yeah, it's after that when Alm meets up with Selica, but Selica's soul has already been sacrificed to Duma, and she attacks him. Uh, he tries to fend her off. He tries to fend her off, but he gets a, like a telepathic message apparently from Mila, who had sealed herself by sticking falchion into her head to try to prevent it from being used. Ouch. Uh, I guess I should. I guess I need to go into a bit more details here. So the falchion in this uh, here on Valentia is a separate fang of Naga, who was the uh, leader, the queen of the divine dragons in um, the Arcanean games. She gave one to Duma and to Mila when they were banished. Well, I think it was just Duma who was banished. Mila decided to follow him because she did like her brother at the time. Actually, she still pretty much cares for him. She does care for him a good amount, but she didn't want, because she knows the sword could be used on him should he go mad, because it's super effective against dragons. <laughs> but she's put stuck the sword in her head to seal it so that nobody could kill Duma. However, she came to her senses and then told Alm to use Falchion, to, to take Falchion from her so it would be unsealed. Falchion seemingly kills Celica, but Mila quickly revives her, and her spirit sh- uh, go- shows up to them and says, please take out, you know, please, uh, Put my brother to rest. He's gone completely mad, and I'm so sorry for trying to, to from trying not to stop him, just keeping him alive because I love them so much. And that the land will be fine without them, even though she's the Earth Mother and she can make crops grow. And presumably Duma does something similar for Regal. They can live on without. They can live on without them because there's a bit of a conflict before whether or not they needed the gods. And then her soul finally disappears, and they're able to go as one unified. Um, I think they're going. That's when they're unified for the final battle. So they go up to the top to the tower where Duma is, and he's this giant, nasty, like half rotted dragon. Apparently, madness makes you rot. Who knew? Uh, well, all... g- gangrene and madness—they aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. If you look at the sprite for Duma from original Gaiden, you kind of see where they kind where they took that and slightly modified it to make it more draconic and less like a weird blob monster. Uh, so you defeat Jedha for the final. You defeat Jedha there in, as well as Duma, and as Duma is dying, he says, "I understand. I will let you rule yourselves. Do not ever, um, you know, disturb our slumber again." And he dies. 
so Alman Selica are able to unite the whole continent into the one kingdom of, Valent- of Valentia. They get married, becoming the, its first king and queen, and seemingly all as well as they work hard to uh, cooperate with each other and make the land, you know, peaceful and prosperous. And, and fix all of the destruction and death that had occurred over a continent-wide yes. war. <laughs> and as a, as a neat little nod to Awakening, uh, Selica mentions how supposedly when divine dragons die, uh, they a, a great tree rises in their place. And apparently the tr- it's called the Milla tree in Awakening, but apparently it's both Millas and Dumas trees that have grown together. That's why it's so massive. Hmm. So a neat little like nod forward. There's such a lot of neat little uh, nod forwards and lore bits there. And then, then all is well. Uh, then, then, of course, you get to Act Six. Did anybody else uh, like beat this, or do they know? I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I missed with Act Six. I finished I, the game, but I I rarely do post game content. I went through it for a large chunk, and I got near the bottom and died. And at that point, I'd sunk something like four hours into it, and said, uh, "You know what? I'm good. I I don't want to try this again." <laughs> I think I remember having to escape from that a few times just so I didn't die, didn't die and could keep those levels. So it took me a little while to get through that. I, I, though I remember having a lot of trouble with those three dragons on a ship because uh, Act 6 itself doesn't really have a unified story, but the idea is that the combined armies of Alm and Selica travel to Arcanea, uh, which, is the, you know, which is the continent that uh, Marv's games take place on. Oh, I uh, definitely we... got to that continent, and then I yeah. started delving into the... How many floors does that stinking dungeon have? Uh, something like, I want to say like four, like thir- 12, 13, something like uh, above 10, I want to say. I can't remember exactly. So, yeah, so the, the whole point is to go to the Fabes Labyrinth. And as you go down the labyrinth, you read these, um, you read these like stone monuments that have writing on them explaining, the, that have describe the exploits of somebody named Forneus, the demon alchemist. Uh, he lived during the time of Faves, supposedly like ages ago, even before, well before Mars games. Uh, he had two pursuits well, in life. One, he wanted to raise the art, the dead as his army, and he also wanted to create the perfect life form. Uh, first, he did create, he did create the army of the dead. Uh, he had unintentionally created these strange insects he called thanatophages. And these insects would, uh, like, put themselves, bury themselves into a person and make it come back to life, a la the T-virus. Um, and so at, as you, when you, when you go down the ta- and go down the labyrinth, you do find these things, and they look an awful lot like the Risen from Awakening. And also, uh, he describes how he created this perfect life form. He got his hands on some divine dragon blood, and they basically describe how alchemists allegedly created a homunculus uh, by mixing the blood and human fluids and some other stuff. And he created a dragon, a very strange dragon. And But this dragon was somehow speaking through his mind because he gave it some of his blood to make it grow faster. It had violent, it had violent thoughts, but presumably it either killed him or did something to him before he could complete any, before he could complete uh, his writing. You know, I think I got form. all the way to the bottom and fought that dragon, and it had some ridiculous ability that affected pretty much the entire map, and I was really low on people at that point. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I didn't have too much trouble with him. So, but anyway, you fought, reached the final floor, and if you haven't guessed yet, this dragon is a is a is a smaller in quotation marks Grima from Awakening. It's instead of being the size of like a a, a continent, he's the size of a super tanker or something. Hmm. 
you manage to fight him, but you get an ominous message saying that there, and if you defeat him, you get an ominous message saying that there's still an evil presence lurking here. So, yeah, presumably I'll release Grim onto the world, although he's not going to cause trouble for another 1,000 years. Which I think is, like, this is, I, I find this kind of crazy, but also kind of ridiculous, because uh, Grima was notorious for not having his backstory explained at all in Awakening, and apparently they said, okay, this game is tangentially related, we'll just put his backstory here. <laughs> he's a he's a draconculus created by an evil alchemist. They do such weird things tying together <laughs> the uh, lore in all these games. It's kind of yeah. fascinating. And it's uh, good, I, but I do, but yeah, it's fascinating. I kind of find it neat that like, oh, okay, so that explains it. He's not a corrupted earth dragon. He's a corrupted divine dragon homunculus. That's kind of neat. And, but yeah, so there's the story. Yeah, and aside from going into the characterizations of the various people on your team, that's pretty much it. Yeah, like I, I thought it was pretty well done for what they did to not only flesh out the original game, but to it, you know, incorporate the characters, the personalities, the uh, the various con- like the, the like the various um, conflicts between both the nations, between people, even between the gods, the or the divine dragon monarchies, I suppose. Well, something I want to praise that I did before, and I'll praise it again. It does not feel like a Famicom 1992 plot when you play it now. It no, the changes no, have really. been substantial enough that. Oh it, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you if you would have told me that this was just a regular Fire Emblem game and not a remake, I would I would have believed you just because of how in depth the story is. Oh yes, I mean you still see shades of it, like with the random coming across some bad guys here and there, but the overall plot is extremely strong and serious kudos to intelligent systems for fleshing it out like that and to 84 for the really good localization oh yeah oh yeah for for the utter the fantastic i mean they always do a fantastic job on the games they localize but they always they all go out they go all out for these fire emblems they do (laughs) and uh the only one thing i want to quibble about with the localization and this i suppose it's a quibble is that a lot of the turns of phrase that people use i I beseech you, my lady, please let us make sure that this quest is undertaken in an expeditious manner. Something, something like that. With the performances which overall, which otherwise feel very contemporary, it's kind of an odd meld. That's the only thing I can really quibble over. Uh, everyone does a really strong job, and I can't think of a badly translated Fire Emblem because Nintendo has just been a really excellent localization studio for years now. Or. Mm-hmm. It, it employs excellent localization teams, I should say. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the uh, and also I should note that this is the first, uh, at least the first mainline Fire Emblem game uh, I, since uh, I think the ver- I, since I bl- to and it's the first mainline Fire Emblem game to have full voice acting. Like only the most insignificant of lines don't get voice, and a lot of even the NPCs in town talk. Um, it's really it's impressive how much voice acting there is, and it's all so very good. Oh, the uh, the director Wendy Lee goes all out, and they they all do their utmost best. Uh, what I find another another interesting note is that uh, they um, apparently they they casted some people who are actually are based in Texas instead of Los Angeles, just a couple of them, I guess, just to add a little more variety to the voice acting. So you get a bunch of people who normally you might hear in like a Funimation dubbed anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Caitlin Glass, uh, Ian Sinclair. Caitlin Glass is Matilda. Ian Sinclair as Burkut. You get Cliff as Chris Patton. I think Chris Patton moved to LA recently. So, <laughs> and uh, and oh, Monica Rial is Mila. 
And so it's really neat to just to hear these people who you normally, at least it's just neat to get this little variety when you're pretty used to. Although nowadays, instead of using the same 15 actors, they're like using the same 50 actors. It's a heck of a lot more variety. Yeah. Not as bad as it used to be. Oh, no, not as bad as it used to be. No, it was uh, really yes. good, and and the 3DS had that fantastic feature where you could just kind of, like, flip it up in, like, a theater mode, and I remember I would do that in this game in all the story modes and just kind of put the advance on auto and just sit there and watch the story and listen to it. It was really yep. well done. I'd, yeah, yeah. Just put, yeah, put my headphones on and just listen to it and watch it. It's really awesome. I, I just set it on my desk and let it play. Mm-hmm. Tilt, the, tilt the screen up a little bit. Yep, and they also this like they they also have uh the support conversations are like there's there's fewer of them except for Almond Celica themselves. Everybody supports with two, if not only one other person. Uh, but they do put a lot of they put a lot of effort into like the to fleshing out characters' personalities and backstory there. And in further addition, there's this new um, feature called memory prisms, which are these items you can find that look like support conversations, but they're for events that took place in the past. So you get uh, fleshings out like how. Like what happened after Alm was born, and why Rudolph decided to hide him away. Uh, what happened when Selica's family was attacked, and how she was, and how she was hidden away. Um, and even there's like a scene between Mila and Duma before they decided to split up the continent. It's pretty neat. You're talking about the support conversations. I, for one, am rather glad that this one did not have waifu simulator with What's children on, like guys? the past two games had, just because that. I, well, I like that mechanic. It also caused me an undue amount of stress just because I feel like I have to make the perfect pairings. Uh, just, that was, was kind of... Go ahead. It just, it doesn't need it. It's a remake for crying out. I, I mean, I, granted, I'm, I'm glad they didn't, like, force in an Avatar character. Yeah, I, I really. Was, I was expecting them to do a remake of, like, Gen- Generations of the Holy War so they could just continue that yeah. mechanic on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody in their, you know, pet cat guessed that, but... Yeah. No, they, they decided, let's just go to the Black Sheep. I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense that they skipped over Gaiden because the first game and the third games are direct sequels, so, like, kind of makes sense that those were remade pretty close to each other. Yeah. Well, and on the Super Famicom, the first and third games were packaged together. True, true. The, the first game was 80% remade, and then you go straight into the third game. It was it was a weird deal. Yeah, so it kind of makes sense that they did that they did skip over it for the DS remakes, and it's probably better that they waited, because look at what they did with yeah. the 3DS capabilities. And I guess yeah, we'll probably, I mean, based on... I, I, Mm-hmm. Based on the comments that people had with Shadow Dragon, it might not have fared so well at the time. Oh yeah, no, I <laughs> especially if they, they kept they, the, yeah. they, they struck a much better balance this time of retaining the original uh, features while also still managing to update things to make it more palatable to a uh, modern audience. Yes, because there are features from the original from Gaiden itself that show up in this game, um, so, such oddities as such a some oddities like. A, one being able to enter towns, although in the original Gaiden you could actually just walk around them like a regular uh, RPG, but in uh, Shadows of Valentia you kind of navigate them like a point-and-click adventure game instead. Yeah, and yeah. It was there were a few places in town that you can visit. Oh, look, I'm at the docks, and here's somebody. Here's a fishmonger I can talk to. Okay. <laughs> I remember Anna calling it Phoenix Wright Fire Emblem because um, <laughs> you clicked around just like in a Phoenix Wright game, and you find random items, usually like healing items or possibly weapons. And you could talk to the locals. And also you could find your own, uh, like, your, your uh, teammates there, your units, and you could talk to them for 
a voice scene that might shed that might shed a little bit of extra light on the characters or the situation. And uh, quest items too. Yes, and quest items too. So, but other than other than that, of course, you have the uh, the dungeons, which are only for that are only in Gaiden and, and Shadows of Valentia. Uh, they and have. Well, when you go into a dungeon, it shifts to, and I know it wasn't this on the NES. I have to look back at what it did. It looks like an over over the shoulder third person thing for a little while. You, you're all Marcelica. You're wandering around. You're slashing bushes mm-hmm. on the ground to find money, and maybe oh goodness, here come some bandits, and they've spotted or you. Monsters. And hmm? or monsters actually very or monsters. monsters monsters or bandits. Either <laughs> of them can be found in these places. Oh no, they're coming. Uh, you can either try to run away, or you can slash them, and they'll take a little damage before you go into fight. Mm-hmm. And this is where the fatigue thing comes in, which doesn't matter at all in the overworld, but it matters in a dungeon. Yeah, which is oddly because it's a feature from 3CS776, uh, but much more forgiving from what I understand. Um, uh, 3CS776 is not forgiving in the slightest. I don't remember the fatigue system being the worst offender, but it was not forgiving at all. Yeah, just in the dungeons, it just means that your if your character, like each character has a meter, a fatigue meter, which goes down as they battle, and if they reach the end of it, then they get a stat reduction. Um, it's usually you can restore it using certain uh, healing items, so it's not it, it's very easy to manage, and also encourages you to like switch characters around. Because I think in a dungeon you could take a certain limit. To, although it's like fifteen, ten. so ten. I think it's only okay. ten. All right, yeah, so but- ten. So it's it's less than like on the overworld, so you can still like switch in characters, and it encourages you to like use more of them and not just focus on a single team. If I recall, the didn't they didn't most of the random encounters and the battles in the dungeons they only let you use like six characters or something like that? So didn't so, you yeah, have like a, you had a couple kind of like on the side that you could swap in? Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty. It was even um, easier to manage than that. It, very rarely did I very rarely did I have somebody lose all their fatigue. Yeah. Um, and that'll happen early on. And, that, so. and that's because these little battles in the dungeons tend to be on tiny little battlefields where you can actually see almost all the all of the field in once, which makes it dinky by Fire Emblem standards. Yeah. Yeah, true. And aside, from, like, aside from a few rocks, there's pretty much nothing to them. Yeah, it's kind of like Persona sort of dungeon ex- exploration, only you have uh, the, the, mini- the miniature uh, strategy maps instead of a uh, turn-based battle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, other than the uh, du- other than the dungeons, you also get some oddities like with uh, the units. Uh, they have to promote at a shrine instead of just doing it with an item or automatically reaching the, the same level. Uh, magic users, you you have to use up HP to use magic, which thankfully is not as annoying as I thought it'd be. They only you need like one HP for a fireball spell, and usually a lot, and not as much as you might think for more powerful magic. And they also learn spells by level up, though uh, apparently Three Houses brings this back, so that's not so strange anymore. Um, and, it does uh, mean that you have to be even more careful with your mages than usual some of the time, because yeah, a physical the attacker can... If if a mage is down to only a couple of HP, the mage may not be able to counter or do anything. Yeah. yeah. True enough, true enough. Um, and let's see, I, that's all the that's all the unique ones that I know carried over. Oh, there's there's no tr- oh there's no uh, no um, weapons triangle. Oddly enough, even though they I don't remember there even them. being any axes in the game. No, there were no axes. No. I think they were used by the en- by, by like enemy units, but you couldn't put a you couldn't equip an axe on. It was only swords, lances, bows, and magic. Uh, so yeah, no weapons triangle. So which oh, I think- and the, and there are a few. What, what were they? Uh, traders, whatnot, hanging out in some of the villages that you could 
pass a few things along to if you need to switch them between Alm and Celica's teams. Oh, yes, I remember those. <clears throat> I I remember hating the side quests in this game so much just because it was you had to, like, click on the town icon to keep track of what quests were where. And trying to remember what items you needed to pass to Alm or Celica was just a nightmare. Mm. I vaguely remember that, yeah. Um, I I hardly did any side quests in this game because I thought that the quest tracking system just was so unintuitive to me. I suppose. Yeah. So, so those are all the returning Gaiden features. There's some there's some like minor stuff like the units can actually promote twice, which they sometimes uh, introduce into later games. The uh, the villager units that you get that join Alm in the beginning, Cliff and Tobin and Gray and, and Faye as well are able to promote to a, cer- a certain limited number of classes. Usually, I, uh, I believe it was like Mercenary, uh, Cavalier, Mage, Archer. Faye could get Pegasus Knight and a healing class. Uh, although, like, the game hints strongly at which ones they want them to be. Uh, I remember, like, Cliff was strong hinted he should be a mage, so I made him a mage. can't remember the other ones too well. I, no, I, remember, I know if they made Faye a, Pegasus, a Faye a Pegasus Knight, I believe. And of course, this being a newer, a new Fire Emblem, Echoes has a casual mode, but it also have a completely new item that will presumably be a feature, a staple feature of the series from now on. Mila's Turnwheel. Yes. So yeah, it's this neat little item, supposedly from the goddess Mila, allows you to turn back the hands of time so that you can go back uh, by, you can, you can uh, go back uh, by, by whole turns if you need to, but usually by character certain actions. Number, certain number of actions. Yep. Yeah, and that includes actions. enemy actions. Yes. So you can undo any minor mistake, any, any, any mistakes that you might have made, obviously. Oops, I got that guy killed. So let me just turn back and get them out of the way or put somebody else here or kill this other guy, whatever it is you need to do. It's limited, but it's um, super it's very, useful. It's very nice to not have to, you know, reload a save when you accidentally, you know, it's like 12 o'clock at night, you're about uh-huh. to go to bed, you're half awake, and you're like, oh, crap, I just got my, you know, my healer killed. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it a, saves it's a you from those kind ground. of moments. Yeah, it's a great Again, no, middle the... ground when you, just, when you just don't want to do casual mode because you do want some challenge, and presumably you could just ignore this turn wheel and, you know, uh, still do the whole reset thing if you were crazy, I guess, or had or that much big on challenge, but... Or you can go back and play any un, any number of older Fire Emblem games that don't have any casual or Miller's turn wheel and <laughs> deal... Uh, just the fact that it includes enemy actions, too, is important, because if you're on a map where a whole bunch of enemies are about to act before you're... between your characters, then Miller's turn wheel may not help you. <laughs> if 15 grunt enemies just act moved then you won't be able to turn back time far enough and that that happened a couple of times see my favorite thing to use it for was when like like josh said being it late at night and kind of being half asleep and trying to fight and accidentally ending a turn too soon Mm -hmm. is what i'm notorious for doing it's like no i didn't want to just stop i wanted to fight that guy okay i'll i'll go back yeah, it also works on, like, if an enemy gets a lucky critical, there's a chance that they won't, so you can undo that as well. Because uh, it doesn't, like, it doesn't keep that same percentage. Right, the RNG is not fixed anymore the way it used to be in older Fire Emblems. Which, that's great, because uh, that drives me crazy when the, what happens, happens no matter what you do. Uh, yeah. And speaking of RNG, like, they purposefully went and made, like, like fixed um, the stats the characters earned in this game to actually make them more usable, because apparently that was a, re- a big problem in Gaiden. Mm-hmm. 
was just, uh, you know, RNG just being terrible on what stat, uh, how many stats they might earn. They can only earn maybe two or three at, like, three at most, and often will just one or two per level. But for some darn reason, they still can't get their resistance high enough. Like, no, I, magic is deadly to pretty much everyone. Yeah, but and like I like Matilda is one of my is basically my favorite character in this game. Not only because she's got an awesome personality and is a fantastic unit, but because she has really good resistance. So she was my mage killer. And we are. So, there were just so many of those witch enemies, and there were those mm-hmm. ones that could like respawn or spawn new ones. And that yeah, I remember yeah. there being a couple of maps I fought on. Where they just yeah. kept spawning new witch enemies, and there was just this mob of witches mm-hmm. that I had to fight, kind of like slowly trudge my way across the map against. Yeah, those canters oh. are this, super annoying. So oh yeah, summon witches. Like I okay, think it's summon monsters, but I remember Leon ended up being my favorite character just because I would just put him kind of out on the edge and just have him start picking off some of the magic users one by one before they could even get close to my heavy units. No, he was yeah, he was pretty good, yeah. Um, let me think here. But uh, another one that I really liked was uh, Delphia, who is a young mage that joins. Uh, she it has extremely powerful magic, though at the cost of most of her spells not having a, a very far reach. A lot of spells do more more than just attack from you know two spaces away. But you get a, a special item, uh, a ring. I can't remember the exact name. You you give it to her, and all of her spells can attack from a decent distance now. So she was a, a killer unit for me. And she's got a, a very uh, spunky sort of um, attitude as well. It's pretty cool. Pretty fun. I remember because Celica gets kidnapped for a while, her effective end before the final battle is much earlier than Alms, which means that I hadn't spent quite as much time with her team as I probably should have to have them ready in for the final battle, which was infuriating because Jetta loves to spawn extra stinking enemies that keep getting in your way and he can do it without using any hp of course and that's just that's just great when you're trying to slog through mud which or or um slime pits and there are a couple battles there's another one where you're it's mostly desert but the witches they don't get they don't get affected by desert tiles, so they can move just as far on a desert tile as they can on any other kind of terrain. Isn't that great? Yes, lots of fun there. <laughs> I remember the final battle taking several hours because I was slowly inching forward, trying to deal with everything so that I could mount a concerted assault on Duma. And oh no, here stinking Jedi just threw out even more of these damn witches at me. Thanks a bunch of t- little turd. <laughs> yeah. And you can't take, you can't take Jedha down that quickly either. He, like, I, like he had some kind of ability where I think on the third attack, you're able to actually hit him. Yeah. That he has annoying. an amazing, it's either the third or the fourth. And you have to keep that in mind. You're the three of your four attacks are just, using up his shield mm-hmm. and only that fourth attack will do anything and that's kind of a cheap ability see i didn't have any problems with the final boss not only because i did casual easy but because i have leveled up to ridiculous levels using the uh dlc dungeon that was made for grinding so i just kind of face rolled that whole fight <laughs> Oh, I yeah, didn't I, have any DLC. 
I, I downloaded the story DLC, uh, um, which is a sort of a prequel to events uh, with uh, the Deliverance, which I, I thought was pretty neat. But it's just some extra, some extra story stuff. But yeah, I didn't do any, uh, any uh, sort of D- any sort of EXP DLC or what have you. Uh, you can also, I believe, from the DLC, get these special overclasses that are even stronger versions of the classes present. But I, I never saw the need to have them. I guess maybe if you play on like the higher. Di- the hardest difficulties, maybe? Yeah. See, see, Mac got me a review copy, so I wasn't thinking in terms of DLC, and I suppose I should have, but I, I still think it's weird going after DLC with the 3DS, because it, yeah, that requires me to sign into the, the eShop, which, I, which usually requires that I have to restart the whole system again, because there's always been an update. I find mm-hmm. it annoying. So, so, so let me, let me, let me just mention when it comes to the difficulty here, because that will play into my later thoughts since we're on that subject. When you start a new game, I I didn't necessarily see it easy. So I rebooted it. I'm just looking at it now. And it says, it just gives me two choices, normal and hard. And normal, it says for serious beginners and hard, it says for experienced players. So, so guess which one I picked because I thought to myself, oh, sure, I played plenty of Fire Emblem games in the past. Oh, no. You picked hard. <laughs> oh, dear. Just going to put that out there in case you're wondering what the choices were when you first boot the game up anyways. That's that's what you get. Your choices are normal for series beginners. I was, I was asking myself to get ready for this. I like I haven't played this for two years, and there's a reason why. And so I booted it up, and I was just like, I wonder I wonder uh, what I had chosen. Oh, hard. Why does my file say hard on it? I never pick hard. I always go for like whatever the normal expectation is. Well, this is why when you first boot up the game, normal is described as being something for beginners, and hard is described as being something for experienced players. Must and you are experienced. Apparently not experienced. Oh, anyways, so <laughs> we talked about we talked about the characters. We talked we talked a little bit about the battle system. We talked about side quests. We talked about we talked about oh, how the relationship mechanics work in this. I mean, it's support. That's just support. Support the support deals. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about those. Okay, we, we haven't talked about the music. Music. Oh, yeah, talk about the music. Very important. Which is very good. Mm-hmm. I, I know that a lot of the tunes came straight from Gaiden, but the instrumentation used on 3DS is it was simply not capable on the, the NES. Not even close. Right. Oh, no. They really like their, like, uh, ominous or epic-sounding vocals in this soundtrack, because there's a lot of pieces that have that. It, and, and well, I love them pieces. There's there's one. It, it only plays when you fight Emperor Rudolph and never again. But there's a strong male vocal in it that's uh, eerie and um, attention-gathering. How's that? Yeah. Yes, and it's actually pretty... If you go back and listen to the original 8-bit soundtrack, it's really neat how strong the melodies were. Like, you realize, oh, wow, that they really... Wow, they really fleshed that out, just what they did with that... Um, uh, like one of my favorite pieces is the uh, song for Bygone Days, which I believe plays in the later half of the game. Uh, and it's just you hear like the uh, you, hear, you hear the eight bit, then you go to the, the the new version, and it's just this really beautiful but slightly ominous um, vocal piece. That one, you know, that one. Yep, yep. Just like wow, this is the overworld music now. Amazing. And uh, the final boss uh, dungeon is absolutely exquisite, uh, Twilight of the Gods. Um, and they have, they have a new vocal, like vo- ending vocal song too, The Heritage of, of Arcadia, and it is a beautiful song. 
uh, sung by one of the voice actors, uh, Bonnie Gordon. Did either of you buy the special edition? I did. Okay, because it comes with the soundtrack. Or, no, I mean not the complete soundtrack, but it has like a little song sampler that came came out with it that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it compared the uh, the orig- some of the eight bit original versions to their updated versions on there. Uh, I I bought the official soundtrack that has the whole thing, and one of the discs has all of the original music uh, from the the gu- from the Gaiden version. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. so I could compare even more. Obviously, there's lots of new pieces like anything to do with Berkut and the vocal. And the, uh, the vocal song and such. They also have this. Yeah. Motif. The original, uh, the original soundtrack has something like 30, 35 tracks, and the new one has something like ninety tracks. So obviously, there's a lot of new tunes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it is. Uh, this is uh, an amazing stra- soundtrack. Even more so when you realize that it's uh, that it's an update of an older game. And Fire Emblem has been really pulling the stop, pulling out all the stops on their music since Awakening. Yeah, the, the instrumentation is incredibly impressive for the 3DS. You, a lot of it sounds like it's being done by an orchestra complete with uh, a choir. Sure. Sure it is. <laughs> I don't know if you could take that. <laughs> well, on a 3DS cartridge, that's impressive. Yes, it is. Yes, fair enough. Okay. Um, I have a picture of the special edition pulled up, and I thought it was cute that it came with, like, little enamel pens of three of the characters. I mean, it's Alm, Celica, and Marth for some reason, because everything's got to include Marth. I mean, this is a site. I mean, it's the same planet, and apparently the two continents are not that far away from each other. Although, mm. you, you never get to meet Marth. You do get to meet um, the three Pegasus sisters, Pala, Catria, and Est. And they easily have, this is easily the most personality they've, they've ever had in this game, because they could be allowed to have personalities. Although, I think uh, I think the remake of Mystery of the Emblem has some support, so I'm not sure how they're characterized there, if at all. Um, technically, uh, you can meet Marth if you have his amiibo. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Which, I, I forgot, the Amiibos was just fights, wasn't it? Uh, the Amiibos were what, sorry? Uh, the the Amiibo support was just, like, special fights against each shadow character. I don't think you could actually... I think they could... I think you could... I think you could... You could fight... Use them in a fight, because, uh, like, a little bonus thing. Duma can only be completely defeated with the Falchion. By by all Falchion, but also by the swords wielded by Mar by uh, Marth and apparently Roy, probably Lucina too, but I'm not really sure since that's a Falchion too. Huh. Uh, so, and also as a sort of a nod to a bug in Gaiden, it can be defeated by the Nosferatu spell too. Does <laughs> <laughs> uh, a cute thing like that. Oh, also there's a character that shows up called Zeke. Uh, he's a uh, he ha- he's a Camus from the uh, first and third Fire Emblem games with memory loss. Just as a neat, neat little thing there, a detail that you might uh, miss if you're not too well versed with that. And of course, Zeke has way more of a personality here than he does in those other games. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a, I guess Zeke Camus, however you want to refer to him as. He's Zeke in this game because he washed up on Valentia with no memory. I can't remember exactly why, and he eventually gets his memories back in the, and uh, like the the ending, um, those those, en- those epilogue ending. Uh, texts and saying that he did disappear for a while but does come back because he d- falls in love with a girl named Tatiana that joins your team. And yes, so that's the only connection. That's the only direct connection I can think of to the first games, other than obviously the whole Act 6 and going back to Arcania and facing Grima of all things. Which I guess I did. 
since I guess I got killed by Grima and said, I don't feel like spending another four hours going through this dungeon, which cannot be saved during, I'll, I'll just say that I'm done. <laughs> because after all, I had, I had managed to get the conclusion. Act six is completely new. I, mean, I, guess and I, I spent something like 70 on. hours with the game, so I definitely got the money that I didn't spend because Matt got me a, a review copy's worth. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I mean, Wait a oh, minute. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think Phil was going to chime in at some point here. It sounded like he was about to. No? No? I guess not. I mean, I, I have to admit, when I first got this game and kind of played through the first couple of chapters, it didn't click with me as well just because it, it felt so different from um, Fates and Awakening. And then all of a sudden, like, somewhere in the middle, it's like it finally clicked, and then I couldn't put the game down, and then I finished the game, and it was like, I wish I would have kind of had that click a little bit sooner. See, for me, like, Fates had kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, because it just didn't... Fates had not been one of my favorite Fire Emblem games, so this game was the one that just kind of, like, revitalized my enjoyment of the series, because I just dug the hell out of Echoes. Yeah, this was a. This, I saw. I saw this as a. I saw this and still could see this as a, a return to form for Fire Emblem. A more, a more focused story, uh, far less uh, trying to a- appeal to everybody, but still including a nice mixture of returning mechanics and uh, modern, convenient, modern like, quality of life features. So, uh, fantastic story, fantastic characters, fantastic music. I so, mean, the gameplay is somewhat lacking, I guess, but so just a little. So this is the game I really, really, and sorry, I was trying to talk earlier, but my microphone was having issues. Um, but this is a game I re- really, really, it's like a romancing saga too. The game I really, really want to love. It like looks great. I, I love the artwork. I love the style. The music is awesome. The fact that they've taken an old game and fleshed out the story. Uh, I, you know, the, my first, my first dozen hours with it, I was just like, I want to see what's going to happen next. I know that the story you know, it's it's going to have some shortcomings, but they basically took something that was an NES game that had a super bare bones story and fleshed it out to an extent. I didn't, I wasn't expecting, you know, the next epic Final Fantasy tale or anything along those lines. I was very happy with what was there. I liked the dungeons, uh, the way that those kind of played out with the short, quick battles. It definitely reminded me of some of the old school RPGs I played. Uh, it even had like an Ultima flavor to it. So that was pretty. If you ever played Ultima's old combat systems back in the day, uh, it, it was just really, really cool. And then I hit the wall of difficulty of spammy wizards who kept reser- calling up new the, the, everything you guys talked about. The teleporting witches that I want to use a different word, but we're trying to keep this PG-13. Um, no, no, Phil, Phil, we, we must be very clear here. Not only can they be created in a turn and teleport on that turn, but they can still act attacked. on that turn. Yeah. yeah, that is insanely stupid broken. Yes, they create, they teleport, and they hit your persons. And whoever is playing this on regular people stay dead mode, God bless your ever-loving heart. Because I can't tell you how many times those witches would just teleport and just knock out... And as you guys point out, it seems like everybody's weak to magic. Uh, the heroes can take a couple of hits, and one or two other people can take, like, two or three hits. But for the most part, most of your party members is like, yeah, it's like one hit, one and a half hits. 
And 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 when you add that with the fact that wizards are using some of their hit points to cast, wizards were prime candidates for quick KOs. Uh, it, it was just, it was just very, and there was just, and I would go and grind. I have no problem grinding. I like grinding. So the dungeons are kind of a way for you to grind. So I go and grind there to the point where I was only getting minuscule XP growth and stuff. I made sure all my party members were nice and grinded up and had the best armors and everything. And I was feeling very accomplished until I hit that freaking wall. And, 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 and it might be because I picked hard instead of normal. But again, as I read the description, but you know, as I read the front page to you guys, it's like, that's the way it read. I'm not a brand new newbie to these games. I know how to hold my own in a tactical RPG. So, and I want a challenge, but those spammy freaking mother, freaking mother, trick a wicked fucker, man. Just, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Like, if you're gonna, I, I get it, it's probably the way it was back in the day. And there's a reason why those things were phased out in later games, in case, yeah. like, I feel like those could have just been hit with the nerf stick just a little bit. Like, make it to where they can teleport, but they can't attack, so you at least got a round. And mind you, when you attack the witches, nine times out of ten, you're not taking them out on one hit, so they're gonna get a retaliatory hit anyways. They're gonna take out chunks of your hit points anyways. But the fact that they could teleport and do that to you before, and of course they'll do it on your melee characters, so your melee characters can't take a chunk out on them, but they got really good range, so they're, I think, only the archers and, and maybe some of like, my super long range spells that cost a crap ton of hit points uh, would, would be able to outrange them. So they were always getting counterattacks. It was a losing battle of attrition, and it just pissed me off. See, what, what drove me I, the most crazy... Was that you know I'm I'm playing on normal mode so it's it's kind of easy and casual so I'm not getting permadeath, and it felt like really only my mages and my archers could like do any decent damage like anybody else that was wielding a sword that wasn't one of the main characters would just like do one hit point of damage on pretty much anything, and yeah. I don't know if that was just bad stat RNG or what. No, I that 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 comes up too, and and then you're kind of moving things around. Yeah, there was definitely times where. Uh, where I put this character against this witch or against this other archer, not archers, but like other knights and stuff. Oh, one point, one point, one point, one point. Like, er, so yeah, I always, you know, you got the RNG stat, maybe that was it. Um, because the way the damage is calculated is pretty straightforward. It's the attack rating versus the, the defense rating of the other character or the uh, whatever uh, for magic. But it, it, it just, it, it was really those, it was really where those spammy thing. Some of the battles just being too tough was certainly frustrating, but then when you added in the spammy teleporting witches from hell, oh my gosh, Mike, there was times where it's like, you know what, Darkspire's not looking too bad right now. I wonder if I could just pop that bad boy back in. Uh, oh, I don't remember you adding that part, Phil. That changes the, that changes things a bit. <laughs> you know, and 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 I mean, and by the time I was, by the time I hit that wall, I was fifteen hours in. I did not want to start over again, and... Oh, but wait, wait, Phil, did you hear what we were talking about with Wonderful Jetta? Where he has an amazing ability where the first three attacks will do absolutely nothing to him, and it's only on the fourth attack that you can do any damage. Plus, he's a mage! Doesn't that sound great? Uh, <laughs> and he can summon more soldiers! Oh... Uh... <laughs> I mean, you, get a, you can get some neat dialogue with him if you fight him with Sonya, because you'll find out that Jeddah is her father. 
And those, uh, those two other witches with him, Hestia and uh, the other lady whose name I can't remember right now, are her sisters whose souls been sacrificed. I, I did have it set to casual, so at least my deaths weren't permanent, but that wasn't much of a help when I would run into TPK after TPK. Mila's turn will uh, just doesn't... Yeah, it certainly was helpful if it was just a matter of fact of an enemy getting a lucky crit or whatever have you, or me having a really unlucky miss. But when regular run-into-the-field battles become like... I'm worried about this one critical hit or not, and I'm using the turn wheel, and I'm just like, nah, this is... <laughs> I maybe should have played on normal mode, but I wasn't going to do those 15 hours over again. Beautiful game. Gorgeous game. Everything to like about it. It's just... Uh, my first 12 hours were super fun. It was just, yeah, when you get to that later stuff, I just felt... And it felt like no matter where I went, I, I could pick a different character, I could go to different parts of the map, I kept running into this wall. Like, I got to a point where it's just wall, 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 wall. Yeah. So I just... For me, that was like, you know what? You won. You won Fire Emblem. Good job. In, in fairness to them, it is really hard to get a uh, strategy RPG balanced where it's a fun challenge, but it's right. not punishing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. so hard to run, you know, to just kind of like nail that, that to, to nail that difficulty curve so perfectly. Right. Especially without... Especially where you don't want to have something where it's a lot of grinding, which can be a real drag in a strategy RPG. Yeah. We'll say, it, 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 I gather the grinding was even worse in Gaiden because oh. you oh, got yeah. much less experience and you needed to because otherwise you would have people getting killed in two hits and it, there was just no way to dodge enough. So, yeah. You got really bad stat, uh, like stat le- on le- stats on levels up and uh, the resistance was somehow even worse in the original version. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Eh, it's a Famicom game. What do you want? True, true. They, they didn't they know probably what they had were a 2% doing. chance to get it instead of a 5% or whatever we have yeah. now. <laughs> so, Cassandra, would you yes. say that, since you're the Fire Emblem Mega Fan, would you say that this one was kind of meant to appeal more to old school fans? I would say so, yeah. It's like they were trying to appeal to the older fans while also still having plenty of things for newer fans by having things like casual mode and more story and characters talking a lot. Yeah, uh, personality. It definitely is what they seemed like they were trying to do, and I say they succeeded. Yeah, it's just play it on normal, and, and maybe you'll have a better experience than, than well, I did. That's and, what I did, and I'm glad. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't 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 let that whole beginner thing fool you. It should really say no, no. Will Robinson, you it, really need to pick this. It's not the first time they like they've been a little wrong about difficulty. Like uh, Awakenings normal mode was too easy, and those three houses. Yeah, um, yeah, no, exactly. No, you're exactly right. It, it really was. And, um, I mean, never mind the mess with um with the uh, Radiant Dawn and how they mislabeled those. Like ooh. how they added easy and then like it, they, they they like re- mislabeled easy, normal, and hard. That's actually normal, hard, and very hard, or something. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, well, not the first time. With that being said, it's a very beautiful and gorgeous uh, game, and at some point, you know, I put it away because I'm like, you win. I'm not going to do those 15 hours over again. But I didn't get rid of it on my library because I know I will, you know, at some point after it's uh, getting older means you forget these games a lot faster. And I'll go back and I'll try it again on normal and see if I can't get uh, quite a bit further. Uh, you can buy this game off of Amazon for like, well. Actually, a lot of it holds its value really well. A lot of the places I'm looking at are still selling it for forty. It's still forty dollars on the eShop. It's um, kind of holding its ground there. Let me try eBay, but uh... I'm gonna say try to look for the collector's edition because that that was Ooh. on the 
That was on Amazon for like a hot minute, and it was gone. All right. I was so so angry that I missed it, and then my husband ended up getting it for me. You're absolutely right. Our listeners deserve only the best. Uh, I have been able to find a used copy for twenty five dollars um, with free shipping on eBay, but of course, our listeners they want they want the new sealed in the box, brand new collector's edition. So let's see what we can do there. New and. Oh, it's not too bad, actually. I found a couple for $99. Oh, that's not bad. That's not too yeah, bad. I think it was 80 when it came out. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, that, that, that sounds right, 80 I think that's how much I paid for mine. I see an $80 one here, but I'm trying to find out whether or not it's really new or if it's just, like, used. Oh. It's, hmm. it's, flagged, it's flagged as new. If I understand, this game did sell decently, nowhere near as well as... Uh, not near, not nearly as well as not near, not nearly as well as Fate or Awakening, and probably not Three Houses. I think that's the best-selling one thus far, or at least the fastest-selling yeah. one thus far. But it still held its own. So likely, uh, likely, whenever they'll do another remake in the near future. I mean, Three Houses is basically yelling, "We're going to do a genealogy remake next." <laughs> um, wasn't this the beginning of the end for the 3DS anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. It was very, on down. Yeah, it, it was on the down very, Yeah, did it, I a very, very protracted and a very protracted end, though. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This is a very, very pretty game too. We didn't want to touch on the graphics too much, but for a 3DS game, this is really. Pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the models are really good. Like they they move more realistically compared to past games. Uh, the the fight, like the uh, the fight choreography, is really nice. Uh, they even the facial expressions were a little stiff, but they certainly tried a lot better than in previous games. Well, when they got a close I'm... up of their faces. I'm happy at the upgrade with the character art from the Gaiden to the oh, this yeah, remake yeah. because I was, when I was look, reading some of the character profiles on the wiki, they have what they looked like in Gaiden and then what <laughs> they look like here, and it's like night and day. I can't uh, I can't talk the graphics up enough. Like I love the art style in this game; it is so gorgeous, and they brought a lot of the art into the game. Like the the box, if you're looking at this up online and you're looking at the box cover art or some of the you know, art from the book, it's there in the game because like when you're picking a character on the bottom screen where the character stats will be at it's the full picture of the character in the background like the hand-drawn picture it's it's just so nice that art is everywhere and it's gorgeous apparently uh, this uh, the uh, the artist is somebody named he daddy apparently uh intelligence systems have been wanting to get them to make art for fire emblem for a long time now but their schedules just never synced up Mm-hmm. And I really like it's 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 got this really soft, timeless appeal to it. Still, obviously anime style, but Fire Emblem's always anime style. I don't know why people complain about that. Um, but it's it, a Japanese it, game, of course, it's going to be anime. <laughs> but it's uh, but it, but it's like very different from like Awakening and Fates, but still very pretty and unique. It's it's very soft, kind of more mm-hmm. pastel than away than uh, yes. the other two. Yeah, um, yeah, um, very much so. And speaking of the art, did you guys know that it had reversible cover art too? Yes. Yeah, it shows. Let's see here. Was the um? It shows the Gaiden one. Yep, it's the Gaiden one. Yeah, with the uh, Alm Celica Valbar and who I assume is Duma. I don't think they ever explain who this weird guy in the armor is, but I think it's supposed to be Duma. Th- that was one of those things. I opened up the box and immediately turned it around. And was like, that is so neat. I love it when games do that. Yeah. Definitely. So, so definitely uh, worth checking out. Worth adding to your collection if you're a collector. I'm not sure if you're not a collector. Uh, would you? Would you all say the experience is worth forty dollars? Was there an oh, asterisk yeah. on oh, it? Heck yes. Heck yes. 
It's it's my favorite of the 3DS Fire Emblems. Mine too. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe 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 it'll it, go from being my most hated to one of my better ones after I play it on normal mode. <laughs> it is not my favorite, but I did enjoy it. On balance. Like, with the caveats that I've mentioned, because they are impossible to ignore. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not perfect, definitely. Well, no. <laughs> I, I mean, it it didn't quite match the magic that Awakening had for me, but I still had a good time playing through it, and I would I would recommend it to people. But if you're new to the Fire Emblem series, I'd recommend Awakening over this. Yeah, uh, pro- I'd probably do the same. Yeah, though I I, I kind of feel like I really want to like give them somehow one of the older ones, just so they don't get completely put off by not having casual mode. But uh, that's just my own thing. This, but this is still. Uh, like Echoes is somehow in my in my mind still in an ever a battle with uh, Path of Radiance for my most favorite Fire Emblem. I need to like play them back to back one of these one of these months or something to compare them because it's just like one has a better story, one has a lot more voice acting, but one has better gameplay. And uh, I don't know, I can't make up my mind. One has better music. I, I hate to say it, but I think we're gonna have to wait two years before I can talk about my favorite. Yeah, if that's a hint, I need to. I guess I need to play through the other routes to determine that one because I I certainly enjoy it. But anyway, that's a different game. Yeah, uh, what that's else a did I want? Yeah, that's a very yeah. different. That's one a future for, backtrack. A future. Yes, yes. And what I felt like there was something else I wanted to add to all this. What was it? I had okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Just like mm-hmm. what else did I say about Gaiden and or oh, by the else also there's a the the uh, intelligence hints that they're going to use the Echoes title for future remakes. So we might very well get. Fire Emblem Echoes, Genealogy of the Holy War, Fire Emblem Echoes, The Binding Blade, Fire Emblem Echoes, Path of Radiance, I guess we'll see. I, I'm all for more remakes just to give me a chance to experience some of the older series without right. soul-crushing difficulty. Oh uh, yeah, just yeah. Can we just get those can we get those Yug those Yug draw remakes, Thracia seven seven six, and of course uh the, the Fire Emblem Six, the Binding Blade would be nice too. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you should all everybody should go play Thracia seven seven six right now. Not that version. Not that version. Not the Nope. Yes, you nope. Super I'll wait for the remake. Nope, you I should play it right now. You should right. play it, and you should go as far as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Everyone should, so that you can know this is what it. This is what is considered a challenging game in this series. <laughs> and there are no concessions to anything. Oh, you will deal with the challenge. There are no options otherwise. <laughs> Again, I'll wait for that that remake. I mean, I wonder if they'll just couple of genealogy, the Holy War, and just a massive game. You know, you want to play a game where you actually have to use the fact the ability to capture enemies and take weapons off of them because your weapons are likely to break otherwise. There are just so many enemies coming at you. And that's apparently the only way to get get money as well, as I understand it. What the... I think so. I never finished that game. I got to a point where there were a couple of catapults with ridiculous range and i knew that if one of my one of my pegasus knights got in range she would die and i just said okay i've had enough i'm done this game has beaten me i give up all righty well thank you all very much i think that's a fabulous main event uh we're gonna take a little break here get something to drink and, and we'll come back to wrap it up with the final lap
we have returned. This is uh, the final lap where we read your comments and shoot the breeze and oh so much more. We had a few comments on our last RPG Backtrack episode number 213. The boys are back in town. Ombre said, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did we do? Wasn't it uh, Fighting Fantasy, right? That's what. Fighting Fantasy Fighting 15, Fantasy. that's what right. it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and Ombrace asks, I've been wondering, do you know if the Steam version of Final Fantasy 15 is complete? There seems to be a DLC that you can buy, and the price is a lot higher than the PS4 one. Sadly, I don't have a PS4. Uh... And then our, our editor-in-chief, Severin, he came along and said... The Windows edition includes the episode Gladiolus, episode Prompto, and episode Ignis DLC, plus the Comrades multiplayer. It doesn't include the episode Arden DLC. Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition is the equivalent in terms of content on console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, and it's, uh, right now it's sitting at the Windows edition as thirty four ninety nine. The Arden episode adds another $5, you know, to that. It was probably, you'd like to think it was on Black Friday sale. But uh, that's kind of gone past. Probably some sort of end of year sale coming up, though, eventually. Yep. To keep keep an doesn't eye out on that. Doesn't everybody do Christmas sales anymore? Eh, Christmas slashing day. Don't they have the... Boxing Day for the Commonwealth? Hmm. I believe yes. The Royal. If only we had someone from the Commonwealth with us on this particular episode. Oh well. Oh well. The Royal Edition on the PlayStation Four is also thirty five dollars, and I think it's. I don't know. I mean, just looking at it, it, it lists the same episodes, Popto, Gladiolus, uh, Comrades, and Ignis, and not that other one. So I think there's price parity between the two right now. Might be different during sales time. Hmm. So, um, and he doesn't want to play the light version on the Switch. I don't know why not. They look so much cuter on the Switch. They got those big heads and everything. <laughs> they look so adorable. They just want to squeeze them. Totally. What? They look, they look like Funko Pop figures. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know why you want to do that. You can leave your comments over at rpgamer.com. Just go to our latest episode, no matter what you're listening to, and leave your comments on there. You can also hit us up on Twitter and stuff. We'll talk more about that later on. But before we do that, I'd like to do a roundtable to see what everyone's playing and doing and everything else. Uh, let's uh, start with Mr. Mashua. Oh, goodness. Ah, you have been work, chosen. Work. Oh, I know. And, and there's, well, there's not much to say because the work has been keeping me down. Stupid so work. Like, I know, I know. It, it's that catch-22. You need the work to buy the games, but then you have the work and you don't have time for the games. <laughs> I think Phil can, uh, can uh, agree and sympathize with you there. I know. Oh, yeah, the job is evil. Yeah. Whenever I've been getting a little bit of time, I've been like very slowly pecking my way at uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3. I'm going to be working on that probably the rest of the year with the raid I go at it. For a second, I thought you were going to say the rest of your life. Oh, that's I, also I heard, possible. I heard it's that's pretty deep. That's also possible. <laughs> I mean, well, like... we know... We know that that won't happen because it's not a perpetually online service that can be used to sell you microtransactions forevermore. <laughs> Don't give them ideas. Uh. Hey, Nihon Falcom has avoided that kind of gravy train thus far. Let's hope it continues. Yeah. So, we have so plenty we... of other publishers to do it instead. 
<laughs> God, yeah, I hope my favorite publisher doesn't go down that route. But yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying the heck out of Cold Steel 3. It's very good. I'm like 35 or 40 hours in and still in Chapter 2, so it's going to take me a while. <laughs> um, oh, well. Yeah, Stop oh having well. fun. <laughs> I know. Obviously, you need to play a game where you're not having fun, so you want to finish it quickly and get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been doing reviews lately, so I haven't had enough of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I need to do reviews, but I've been sucked into something else. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, or I haven't been doing, you know, like I said, work has been keeping me busy, so I haven't done much around the site. Uh, what you playing kind of took a month off last month since, uh, that it kind of fell right there at the end with, uh, American Thanksgiving, but, uh, uh, November, December edition will be back before the end of the year. And, uh, I, I did one other thing with a, uh, a Twitter friend. It's not strictly RP gamer, but might be of interest to people. Um, uh, Acquaintance of Twitter, I'm uh, acquaintance I have on Twitter, uh, Jason Ariola. He has a podcast called Multimedia Failure, which is all about video game movies. And uh, he had me on as a guest to talk about uh, Sakura Wars movie. <laughs> since him uh, and yeah. Host, yeah, since him and his co-host had no knowledge of the Sakura Wars series, pulled in as their ringer to at least explain some of what was going right. on to them. I do, yeah, I do remember now how they brought over that anime. Before, well before any of the games. I watched that anime before playing any of the games, and it didn't click with me at all. And then I watched it after playing the games and said, oh, okay, yeah, this is, these are nice supplements. Th- that's one of those cases where you... Uh, apparently people have watched it and gotten enjoyment, even though they haven't played the games, but that was not the case for me. It is definitely not an inclusive, envelope-expanding anime, unless... You are familiar with it beforehand. It it is very much expecting you to already know who all the characters are, what the story is, and what everything's going on before you watch it, because it does not explain what's going on otherwise. Yeah, I spent spent an hour explaining Sakura Wars to to Jason and his (laughs) co-host. That was entertaining. Oh, yeah. Ratchet, the character introduced here, she plays a prominent role in the fifth game. Yep. But she was introduced in the movie. <laughs> as far as I know, that was where she got introduced. I was trying to figure that out. If the, if she was in one of the other weird multimedia things that, you know, goes along with Sakura Wars. Because they had so much other stuff. You know, they had stage shows and... And recordings of the stage shows, of course. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. So I was like, I was trying to figure... Because there's even a backstory in the movie that goes beyond... You know, that, like, predates it, obviously. So I'm like, okay, was this even before the movie? Or, I don't know. It was strange. (laughs) But Sakura Wars is weird. But it's coming back next year. Coming back in action (laughs) RPG mode. Oh, Yeah. Oh man, I've I've still never played the Sakura Wars uh, roguelike on DS, which oh, would just be weird. So bizarre. And I've never played Episode Zero of Sakura Wars Five, the one where you get it's it's also an action RPG set in the Wild West of all things. Well, well, one of the main characters in Five was, you know, uh, a cowgirl. So, you know, yep, yep. sure. It, sh- it apparently shows how she wound up in New York after she 
made her way on horseback across the entire United States in the early 1920s. <laughs> As people did at the time. As you do. <laughs> I love those games. They're so goofy. Well, apparently that game in particular, A, it is an action RPG. B, it's mid-PS2 when maybe Sega had some better ones aside from Yakuza, but Shining Force Neo, Shining Force... EXA, they, they were not particularly good no. action RPGs. Aww, yeah, that, I that, that was an error when they were... Kelly, was... I accept yeah. that you say this, and I acknowledge that you think this, but I, even though I had to sink something like a hundred hours into Neo, I did not like it at all. I, I guess I was easy to please back then. I don't know. Maybe maybe if I pop them in again, I'll change my mind. But at the time, I really loved those two games. EXA, I will definitely grant, is a significant improvement over Neo. And then I played Wind, which, of course, was never localized and probably would ever will be. But I think it was the best Shining action RPG that Sega on its own ever created. So there. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, the, you know, that was oh, the Sakura stuff Wars, I've been up right. to. Yeah, yeah, Sakura Wars. <laughs> but that was everything I've been doing. <laughs> that sounds exciting. Uh, hmm, here? How about, how about, how about, how about, oh, Miss Relly. Well, thanks to an announcement from Nisa this week where they're putting Trails of Cold Steel 3 on Switch it finally gave me the motivation I needed to finish up Trails of Cold Steel 2 and I'm currently playing that on my Vita and I will be ecstatic when I can just switch from console to handheld just by you know taking it out of the dock as opposed to wait a minute did I upload to the cloud my last save I'd better check (laughs) so handy transfer yeah yeah, um, Switch definitely fits that playstyle a whole lot better. And Josh, I did not know that Trails, uh, Trails or Cold Steel Two turns into Suikoden after the second act. Yeah. Well, 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 well you've forgotten because certainly I told you that. <laughs> I may, I may have forgotten. But yeah, the, the first act pretty much follows the Trails one or Cold Steel one, where you know you're just kind of blowing through the story rather linearly. And then in Chapter 2, you get an airship and a crew, and you've got to go find your classmates. And you're kind of given a lot of freedom to go do what you want. And it's like, oh my god, I wish I would have sawed through the first act sooner so that I could have got to this part, because this part is so much fun. And it pays off that, you know, the first game being, like, really slow and you know, kind of like leisurely and you got to get to know to all those different characters in the first game. And now in the second game, like that's all kind of paid off because you're collecting them back again on your airship. And now they all have their own little uh, things to do to help you out on your airship. It's really cool. Yeah. I I love that. It's like, I get it now. This is my trails is so amazing. <laughs> Yep, you get I, Becky, you know, like you get Becky when they're Scottish Brogan, and of course she opens a shop on your ship. Because of course Becky does. I feel like that could, be, does. that could be a podcast. What was your breakthrough moment? Well, that, and, that uh, you realize that the tra- Tales of, whatever, Trails of Gates were so good. What was your breakthrough oh, moment? And don't, I loved Trails in the Sky very much to where I couldn't put down either of those games. 
um, Cold Steel just had a very hard time getting into it, and not because they were bad, bad or anything. It was just because I was just having a hard time clicking with them. And eventually, Cold Steel One kind of clicked with me. It, it just that this one with the complete gameplay change, it really clicked with. Oh yeah, two is really good. I I just adore it. Um, I'm I'm not sure if three kind of goes back to the class structure with Reen being a um. It does. It yeah. does. Very much mirrors the first game of Trail uh, of Cold Steel One. Excuse me. But but I mean that that's fine. Sometimes I kind of like that Persona Five pacing is what it reminds me of. <laughs> and I've also been I've I've been on a Trails kick because I also started up um, Trails the Third on ah. my laptop. Um, I had inherited my husband's old laptop, and I remembered that it had HDMI out. So I hooked it up to my TV, hooked up a wireless 360 controller, um, did Steam Big Picture mode, and it's pretty much just like playing on a regular console, just using my laptop. Um, only problem is the game kind of chugs a little bit on this laptop, because the laptop is pretty old, but it's, it's enough to do Trails 3 just fine. Um, that's a game you can get by with without exactly uh, turning the graphics to the nines. Yeah, <laughs> and tr- trying to get it get it set up was a little bit tricky because it's like, why is this showing up like a postage stamp? Oh, because the game's resolution is messed up and not Steam Big Pictures resolution. Oh, okay, I got that fixed, and I got through the first chapter in that. Um, I'm enjoying that so far, even though it has been so long since I played Trails in the Sky that I'm having trouble remembering a lot of the characters. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Tic- like, I don't remember the, the chapter deletions that you add at the chapter one. You're in the Phantasmagoria? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the Phantasmagoria. I just got um, Captain Schwartz in my party. Oh, okay. Um, went through a very long side bit with uh, Tia, which I didn't realize that that side bit was so long, and I made the mistake of playing that very late at night and ended up falling asleep um, trying to get through that. It's where you meet Tia's mother and father, and I was particularly amused that Tia's mother absolutely hates a gate. Of course. Of course she does. <laughs> she's she's just awesome. I love her. Uh-huh. And Tia's trying to um, basically build a better robot to take on Potter. How do you pronounce it? Pater Mater? Pater Mater, yeah. Yeah, Reen's robot from Trails in the Sky 2. And I I definitely wanted to get through this one since Reen shows up in 3. Oh, well, wait wait until you get to uh, her. uh, ah, What were the doors? I can't remember if it was a sun door or whatever. Hers later on where you find out her backstory is just totally and utterly soul crushing. Okay. Prepare yourself for that. Thank you for the warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I can imagine that her story is so soul crushing and I forgot did you guys do a backtrack on the nope. third? Okay. I don't we'll know if to... this played I don't I, I know I've beaten it. I don't know who else on staff has beaten it. Gage did it. <laughs> I have, have not played yet played the third no. one yet. Uh, I know I will. I will. Yes. I. Everything just came together for me to be able to review the second one because it just came out and I had actually taken the Thanksgiving week off and, oh, okay, it's out. I have plenty of time. I'll play it. 
because we didn't get a review copy of that one. I, I think it was just because it took so damn long to come out and nobody wanted to mm-hmm. count on it being there for a certain day. Yeah. And then the third one came out and I can't remember, Josh, did we get a review copy for it? I don't remember. I think Adrian reviewed it. Which, I don't remember if we got a review copy or not. At any rate, since I wasn't needing to play it immediately and try to review it, I kind of let it not be played. And but I will. Uh, yeah. And once once I do, because I know it is shorter than the second, which is yes, helpful is. for helpful for something like this. <laughs> yeah, it's considerably shorter than the second game. And it looks like it's a little bit more straightforward too, since you're just going through this huge multi-level dungeon. Yeah. That, that that's their way of basically allowing themselves to kind of like jump all over different parts of the world as you go through these doors and kind of like experience um, different parts of the game. <laughs> and you'll you'll appreciate, Mike, that um, you can also have a fast forward button too, so that you can fast forward through trivial battles. Um, not so much the cutscenes. No, that would be something of a waste. Yeah. Because I, I was trying to fast forward through some of the cutscenes, like some of the stuff that I already played, because I've kept trying to start this game multiple times and ended up getting distracted, and unfortunately, that didn't work too well. But um, I, I'm kind of liking that this one is a little bit more self-contained, since trails can be a homework assignment. <laughs> but a good homework assignment. Yeah, it took me a little while to remember once I started with the second chapter, because I had played uh first chapter either a year and a half or two years prior so nothing yeah. was fresh in my head yeah it's, and it's I, definitely... I played first chapter partially as i think mac giving me a good game to make up for something idea factory that i had been sludging painfully through around that time we know what it is i don't need to say it no nah. Trail oh, Phil, Phil, uh, Phil needs uh, to play that one. Phil will love it. Yeah, Sky Third is it's a very odd game because it was it was done just to kind of like fill in. Uh, it, it actually started development after they had already started writing the Crossbell games, and they kind of mm-hmm. realized like, oh, we've got some gaps in the story we kind of want to fill in first. And so then they actually stopped work on that, went back and made Trails Third to kind of like fill in some of these story gaps. So it's kind of this weird game that that does as part of its disjointed nature is that way it's able to kind of like jump around to a lot of different places and kind of show you little bits of things that are going on all over the world. So you're not in that sense, even though you're following one set of characters along, you're able to see bits of the bits of the larger story that's going on all across the uh, continent. And I I love Kevin, by the way. He is. Oh, Kevin's great. He's such a goofball, but I, I love him and his partner in this game that's a crazy nun with a chainsword. <laughs> Who loves to eat. God, I yes. her name. I, I can't remember her name off the top oh, of my head either. Man, it's but frustrating me. She is so cool. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to even manage to finish that fan's translation of Crossbell at some point in between all of this. I'd like to, just because you said that that kind of ties in too. Oh yeah, it does once you get later on, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I've got to get around to it at some some point myself. 
But I, I can put that one aside a little bit because you told me that there's two Crossbell games and one of them isn't translated. So correct. There's there's one where the uh, fa- the fan translation is very close to being completely done. There, there's one that's completely done and another one that I, I think they're trying to finish it by the end of the year. So cool. Shortly, all the uh, games will have some sort of translation of either official or unofficial capacity. Yes, and I can't wait. And, I mean, I was really disappointed that I didn't pick up Trails 3 this fall just because I wanted to play it so bad that I knew that I was going to have no time. And now I'm glad I waited because it's going to be on the platform that I play the most because I hardly ever turn on my PS4 anymore. The Chronicles of a Switch player, I guess. (laughs) I will play these Trails games eventually, I swear. Don't <laughs> I've got quite the backlog because they sound like they're right up my alley. Oh, they, they're heavy. They, like, there's so lots of lovable characters. Like, wow, I, really, oh, yeah. I, I need to. I know, but ugh, someday, someday. Time, I, mean, I know. They're they're good and they're worth playing, but they are a commitment for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's pretty much all I've been. Oh, I've been playing. I did, did a little bit of Pokemon, but I had to quit that yeah, because it was. Bless you, taking up way too much of my life. Sorry to jump in a little late because, again, my I don't know why, but my microphone keeps disconnecting. Whoa, someone's got something. Uh, my microphone keeps disconnecting me, and it takes me like a solid minute to connect it back again. Um, but I want to it was, it, 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 I was getting the voices mixed up. Was it Cassandra who said, I really need to get around and play these things? Yes, that yeah. was me. Yeah, Cassandra, you need to do it because you need to discover your Trails of moment. You just I need to discover can. your Trails of moment. That moment where maybe you realize someday, it is someday. the best GRPG series ever made. That's your moment. Embrace it. I I mean, the, in Trails in the Sky, the moment was pretty much the whole game because it was just a game that I could not put down. That's too funny. I'm sorry. I had to get that little commercial in there. Yeah. It would have been better timed if my microphone actually worked. Oh... Well, well. Speak, speaking of Cassandra, what do you have? Oh, I did. Uh, I guess since last last one's on episode, I did finally finish uh, Super Paper Mario. Um, so again, actually, pretty good game, despite that being somewhat uh, blacklisted for not being similar enough to the Thousand Year Door. Uh, definitely the most uh, complex story of any Mario RPG, uh, which is not saying much, admittedly. I uh, finished one route of Three Houses, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, which I very like. I really did enjoy a lot. Um, how much I enjoy it compared to the other the the past games is going to take some time to digest. And the fact that there's multiple routes that shed more light and have additional story is really going to like color a lot of things. But I really did enjoy my time with it, despite how long I took on it. Again, not entirely because the game is that long, but because of a lot of real life stuff. Yeah. Which route was it? Did you... uh, I did. Um, it's a uh, Silver Snow. It's the uh, Black Eagles, but when you side of the Church of Saros. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that I, was the one I did. Yeah, I plan on doing a, a Golden Deer next with my sister. I'm doing Black Eagles, but intend to side with Edelgard on that one. So that'll probably end up being the last ride I'll do. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and obviously, Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, so I'm devoting all of my time to that because. Those are apparently my two gaming loves in life, Fire Emblem and Pokemon. Don't know how this happened, but... So what are your thoughts on Sword and Shield? Are you hating, like, most of the internet, or are you loving, like, us real Pokemon fans? (laughs) 
I don't know about I me. Mean, they've sold very well. I am enjoying it. I mean, I do see the. I mean, I, I don't really mind the, the whole the, the whole national decks thing. It had to happen eventually. What are they going to do when they go past one thousand Pokemon? What? It's just I know. insane to think. So this is this is bound to happen at some point. Me, but regardless, I do the, the other shortcomings. I kind of see. Um, the story does not seem to be shaping up to be as good as Black and White or even Sun and Moon, though there's more to go. The, the characters seem like they're a bit more fleshed out and fun. They have more personality, it seems, but I still have more to go in there. I have, um, I got my uh, fifth badge last, uh, the Ice Badge, so still got a bit more of the game to go. Um, I can sort of see why they're like they complain about like the graphic, the graphical engine and such, but it's it's Pokemon. Yes, this is their first foray to HD, but you still don't play Pokemon for the graphics for crying. And yes, double, sorry, go, go ahead. And yes, double kick looks stupid, but eh, who cares? It's always looked stupid. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm I'm just a, a little disappointed with you here, uh, Miss Cassandra, because mm-hmm. the internet has told me that you're not allowed to derive enjoyment out of this game, that you just need to hate it with every pore in your body for well, all those care. reasons we just mentioned. Cause, so it must be a horrible, unenjoyable experience. Well, I don't care, but see, I can see that I, I can, um, I do think they didn't spend enough development time, but that's, uh, that's been a problem for the past couple of generations, the past couple of generations now. Oh, oh yeah. Because, um, I want to say like ever since 2014, it's been an annual series. Yeah. So and they've just been rushing them. Exactly. Like they took a slight break between, um, Omega Ruby, was it between, was it, yeah, between Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire and, uh. Sun and, Sun and Moon. Moon. But, that, but that's been the last one. And then before then, after uh, Black 2 and White 2, they just, uh, they jumped, like, they, I think they took, a, like, a year off and then got X and, no, they, they jumped to X and Y, and then they jumped immediately to Omega Ruby. It was just uh, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. That, that, so that was also hurried along too much as well. But, I, I mean, there's apparently a lot going on over at Game Freak and the Pokemon Company that needs to be worked out. Uh, so I certainly do think these games need more time to be the best they can be, at least to, like, I know they can get half-decent stories with black and white, but uh, I guess, but I need to finish the game first before I pass judgment. So what I've heard is that it's, um, yeah. The, the story is really lacking. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I, the story was not the best part of this game, but I, the, the wild area, I hope that that's kind of opening the door to something even grander with the wild area, because I absolutely love that whole, every time I got a new badge, it's like, okay, let me go see what else I can catch in here. And I want a whole Pokemon game just based around that. Like That's pretty neat. I also like the uh, the new Pokemon, both the new Pokemon and Valerian form. I think that's like the most creative thing Pokemon's done lately are regional variants. Yes. One, it's probably a lot easier to slightly redesign an older Pokemon. Probably, I could be wrong. To slightly redesign an older Pokemon than it would be to create something completely new. And it, it makes sense. Animals adapt to, you know, their environment. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that Pokemon in a different region would look different, have different types, have different attacks, and so forth. And this the this neat idea where the Pokemon, like a Glarian Pokemon, can evolve into an entirely different Pokemon. Although that also means that probably makes them exclusive to this region. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Linoon can evolve into Obstagoon, which is probably my favorite Pokemon currently of this generation. I don't know. It's just really awesome looking, I think. Uh, Meowth, the Galarian Meowth becomes Perzerker. I love that pun. 
um, he Berserker, become, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. My, my Viking Meowth is my best buddy. Yeah. And of course, uh, Farfetch'd and Too Surfetch'd. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, I, I'm really liking, and there's lots of great new Pokemon. I, I actually do like the Score Bunny line, despite what people seem to be complaining about the final evolution Cinderace. The final um, evolution I, is cool. What are people complaining I, about? I don't know. I, I think it's pretty dang cool. It's a though pretty interesting idea to decide to make all of the, uh, the, the start, the final starters, just the pure elemental type. They haven't done that since generation two. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really liking Cor- Corviknight is super awesome. Uh, the legendaries. Zacian and Zamazenta are really awesome. Um, I really like uh, Yamper and Boltend. I surprisingly got warmed up to uh, Dreadnought, despite not really caring for it much to begin with. Hey, wait a minute. Can we just go back for a moment and talk uh-huh. about Perserker? Come on, it's so cute! Like Perserker! I, said, I do like the pun. I do like the pun. I cannot wait for them to release plushes of Berserker and Galarian Meowth to add to my already vast <laughs> Meowth collection. I'm sure they're coming. Like, I wonder if they're going to do like a new Meowth for every. I That's hope so. Now. <laughs> That's good um, now. On one of the routes you go to a camp, you can visit a camp of an NPC, and her camp is nothing but Galarian or Galarian Meowths <laughs> with an Alohan and a regular Meowth scattered in there. And all of their names are Viking cat puns. Uh, I guess I need to find that one. That yeah, that I, th- awesome. I think it's like on Route Seven, but I'll have to look it up. But yeah, there's like I, I, I just I uh, lots of neat Pokemon, so I'm glad that this generation has a lot of creative designs, even if a bunch of them are technically older, older Pokemon redesigned. Uh, way better than, um, way better than uh, Mega Evolutions. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say I, I've got a number of friends who who picked up the game, and despite all the internet rage, I every single one of them is having fun with it. I, I think for I think it's a good start for an HD Pokemon, and I think that the next game they they're gonna have more time to mess with it and able to add more features. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they just they need more time in the oven. Yeah, they really do. Like- like I, I kind of under, I somewhat understand though they because apparently they need to like time the the games to come out with like new uh, like new card like new versions of the cards the anime the manga what have you but it's just like surely you could delay those like you don't need to make every season fifty two episodes surely like the games are more important aren't they yeah, give them I would time. imagine so because it's but... like if you could do this with like however much time they had then surely they could do better with even more time though yeah I'm guessing the third versions will. Add more features, maybe. I, I still have suspect we're going to get the national decks in there just for as a sort of as a sort of return to form until they cur- until they cull it again and probably never have one again. Because again, are we really expecting it more than a thousand monsters in each of these games? What I am hoping is that the next game is going to be Hone or Re- er, Diamond and Pearl remakes. Those are very. Those are very likely. I guess I'll we'll just. Um, because for for me, those those games kind of came at a point where I was starting to get tired of the series, and I kind of felt bad that I didn't enjoy them as much as um, Ruby and Sapphire, which were my favorite games in the series. So, um, seeing that region kind of given a spit shine is what I'm hoping for. It should be a lot faster because the DS games were kind of sluggish. Uh, at least, yeah. uh, at least the original Diamond and Pearl, I think. Um, Platinum improved that a lot, but I never got a chance to play that one. Didn't really yeah. And I, I did enjoy Diamond and Pearl's story a lot, so I want to see that 
happen again and end up with a better story than Sword and Shield because eh. <laughs> at least more fle- more fleshed out. I would hope that was. I mean, I guess no, I don't know. I guess maybe Ruby and Sapphire was her first attempt at more of a more of a complex story compared to the prior games. But you know, eh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they still haven't reached the the, the height they they reached in um, black and white, in my opinion. But then there's also the distinct possibility we might get uh, gold and silver remakes in the Let's Go series, which I'd be all down for too. Um, not. I mean, uh, I mean, I have heart gold and soul silver. I'm fine there. Uh, that's true. That's true. I'm I'm just dreamcasting here. Well, we'll see. I suppose. And but yeah, that's just all. That's all the gaming I've been. I mean, other than a slight replay of Devil Survivor Two to see, like, get the only endings, but that uh, get one of the other endings, but that one's been just on and off. And uh, for I haven't really done anything for the site because again, a lot of real life stuff and work has been getting in the way. I guess just um, keep an eye out for like end of year stuff, even though I barely played much this year. But I'll probably contribute a piece or two. <laughs> and um, yeah. There we go. Sounds good. How about you, Mr. Minky? Hmm. Hmm. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I have been doing that. Okay, so I've kind of left off of Grimshade. I know I need to finish it and review it. And I haven't plugged away much with Hexy's Force any further. I'm going to finish that and give it a contemporary review also. Because I have plunged deep, deep into Fallout 4. Let me look at Steam. What does Steam say right now? Apparently, I have played it for 178 hours. Oh, I believe oh, it. Every yeah. time every time I've logged into Steam, it says you're on Fallout 4. I presume you're not just turning on your computer, logging into the game, and then walking and playing your 3DS somewhere. No, I try not to do such a thing as that would cause my machine to die faster, and I paid enough for it, and I'm thrifty enough that I don't want to kill my computer before it's time. Yeah, let's see, Fallout 4. And I haven't even dug too deep into the DLC much yet. I've... Or the main story. I've, I'm, what, I don't know, halfway through the main story or something, because I just enjoy wandering around, finding things, killing crap, and... The NPCs are very interesting. The world is very interesting. The mechanics are a mess in spots. I, It's a Bethesda game, so of course it's filled with bugs. There, There's an amusing one where two named people I killed long, long ago, in my first ten hours of the game or so. I can just come back there and even because this is the type of game, the, their corpses just sit there. And even though I stripped them long ago to get what I could, um, I can strip them again and sell it off again. That, nice. That's it's, neat. It's a miracle. <laughs> then there are the weirder and less less fortunate bugs, such as one where occasionally when I'm stripping a corpse, uh, it will get attached to me for a while, and I will not be able to move very well because I will have this big corpse flopping around with me. And it can block my fire if I'm in the middle of other enemies. And, you know, that's not very good. It will eventually come undone. But despite how seemingly amusing it might be to outsiders, <laughs> your foot is stuck in that in that bear you just killed. <laughs> oh, and look, some gigantic rad scorpions are coming to kill you now. <laughs> it's not that much fun if you're trying to get out of it and it won't let you in. <laughs> And the inventory is freaking aggravating. Somebody at Bethesda had the glorious idea. Let's have you able to collect all types of junk. 
duct tape, vases, rugs, tin cans, aluminum cans, fuses, light bulbs, Abraxo cleaners, moldy food, broken bits of board, beer bottles. I'm All of these are things that I have collected and many, many more. And because it's hard to get myself out of this frame of mind, I will tend to try and, to try and collect all this crap. And then there, then you eventually run into the weight restriction. <laughs> if you're carrying more than your character is able to handle, then you get significantly slowed down. Or if you get far enough advanced, which I have, then you can get a perk where you don't get automatically slowed down. Instead, you use up your action points to move around when you're significantly weighed down, which sucks if you're trying to get into a fight because you need, you need those action points to do that. Or you can just try and shoot from the hip, but, you know, Bethesda doesn't make the most technically amazing first-person shooter, so I try not to do that if I can avoid it. Um, what else was I was saying about the inventory. Oh, and it's also a significant pain to have to sift through. Ah, uh, yes. For, somebody also had the great idea to give you the ability to equip something on your chest, something on each of your arms, something on each of your legs, and something on your head. Which means that most of the enemies have something there, and you're collecting five raider left legs, four raider right arms, three raider reinforced right legs, two raider reinforced left arms. Uh, and individually, most of them are not worth much, but it's hard to get out of that mentality that I, sh I need to glom on to all the loot I can. Intentionally leaving things behind is not something that I'm accustomed to doing in a game. Don't do it! Well, then I have to deal with being weighed down because I can only carry 345 right now, and I've managed to have myself carrying over 1,000 at one point <laughs> before I can dump it all into one of my settlements and use it to construct ridiculous things that despite having no guardrails or supports are 15 stories in the, in the air, because all architects know that this is all you need. You put a floor down and you put a ladder up there and that floor will magically stay in place and not fall. Right. Right. All right. That's, that's and, video game logic. And then you put more floors and more ladders so that you can go up, oh, 12, 13 or so stories. I haven't counted. So that if you were to fall off because you being an idiot, you didn't put any railings in place. Ha ha ha. There's a reason we have railings on all of our high altitude elevations, people. Well, then you'll fall off and die because most people, shockingly enough, can't fall 13 stories and be just fine, <laughs> even after the apocalypse. But I, I'm having a blast with it, and whenever I do finish it, which hells if I know when that will be, uh, I will definitely give it a review, which includes all of the DLC, because apparently Bethesda had to incorporate seven different DLC packs, some of which are less consequential than others, but all of them added something. And it's it's been since, I think, Borderlands that something just caught my attention on steam in this way and i gotta give fallout 4 credit for that which i'm some i'm the, somehow thinking fallout 76 would not do <laughs> the internet says that you can't like it it's buggy it is buggy i'm not even todd howard is it todd howard or todd phillips i can't remember the professor the president of bethesda but it's todd <laughs> he knows it's buggy but it's still fun so that's what I've been playing for the most part lately, because when I'm trying to play this so much, there isn't much time to do anything else. <laughs> right. 
Um, and I guess the other big news, everyone here will be no doubt astonished to hear that Playmobil the movie is not faring well. <laughs> Say it isn't so. I'm sorry. <laughs> a- apparently it's bombing hard as if people who wanted to see a movie based on Playmobil products were not a very large demographic. But the Lego movie did so good. Why can't the Lego knockoff movie? (laughs) Well, for the same reason that that Charlie's Angels reboot we were all pining for didn't do well. See, I heard that that one actually wasn't that bad. I haven't heard that it's bad, but I did hear that Elizabeth Banks was trying to say that it was all the fault of misogynistic men that it wasn't doing well. So by that logic, everyone who didn't see it is a misogynistic man, including all the women in my office. Kelly, Cassandra, did you see it? Uh, no, just because I've never been really interested in Charlie's Angels anyway. Well, then, by Elizabeth Thanks' logic, you're both misogynistic men. Sure. Her logic is ineluctably conclusive. I, I can't see a flaw in it. Certainly nothing to do with no one asking for a new Charlie's Angels. Anyway. Oh, and Knives Out, that's a lot of fun. People should go see that. Knives Out. I haven't even seen trailers for that. Really? Heard of it. It's it's a new murder mystery where Daniel Craig gets to play a southern detective named Blank Benoit. And he talks like this for the entire film, and it's quite impressive to hear. <laughs> I mean, did you see Logan Lucky? He has a southern accent. <laughs> it might be even deeper and thicker here than it was in Logan Lucky, and that is quite an accomplishment. He is clearly having a ball portraying a Kentucky Fried Southern detective. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. It's a little scary is what it is. See, I'm... There really hasn't been any movies I've been interested in, like, since uh, when, when Spider-Man came out this year. And the next big movie we're going to is Star Wars, because every Christmas my husband buys my whole family Star Wars tickets, and we all go together. I feel as if I should tell you that Disney, we probably already know this, Disney has its holiday release schedule set up through the next eight or so years. Mm-hmm. Next year, we're getting the West Side Story remake. Then, in 2021, we get Avatar 2. In 2022, Star Wars Episode 10. 2023, Avatar 3. 2024, Star Wars Episode 11. (laughs) Then Avatar 4, Star Wars Episode 12, and Avatar 5. Yes, four Avatar sequels being filmed simultaneously. I don't think I'm going to Avatar just because I hated that first movie. But they can learn about saving the environment. It's very important. You need to understand. The first movie was was Pocahontas in space. Cool, huh? Changed my mind. The first movie lost me when they used unobtainium, which seemed like the, uh, you know, like the placeholder thing. We need a name for that. Well, we'll call it unobtainium for unobtainium. now. That's too funny. Um, only slightly worse than MacGuffinite. Yeah. MacGuffinite! Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Well, you never know. By the time Avatar 2 comes out, it will have been 12 years 
maybe it will be different. <laughs> Who knows? I'll have to listen to the reviews just to see, but I'm not holding my breath for Avatar 2. Well, we've got two years anyway. Instead, we get to see what, what Steven Spielberg directing a musical looks like next year. <laughs> no, the the movie train wreck I'm looking forward to next year is the Sonic movie. The one that was supposed to come out last month and didn't? Yeah, because of people hated the art style so much. And they redid it. And it does look less frightening now. Oh, oh yeah. Um, they got um, Tyson Hess, the director of the animated sh- the, the animated Sonic Racing shorts, and the opening animation for Sonic Mania to basically helm the redesign. And uh, Tyson Hess got to start doing fan comics. Uh, well, very I'll probably. I don't know if I will go to see it at the time. Uh, comes out in February. Let's see. The, the only other thing I know that's coming out in February is the Kingsman prequel, which I've liked the other Kingsman movies, so I'll see how this goes. Yeah. Oh, I'm... we're getting a remake of The Grudge next month. Nope. <laughs> you don't want to see a remake of The Grudge released on the first weekend of January, which is definitely a sign of the greatest possible faith? I really can't do horror movies anymore. <laughs> What about Robert Downey Jr. as Doolittle? That's kind of creepy. I, I will We're never, getting it. <laughs> I will never not see Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark anymore. Not even with him doing that bizarre accent in the trailer? Yeah, no, he he's either Tony Stark or Sherlock Holmes to me. Fair enough. And they haven't done a new Sherlock Holmes movie with him in ages, so... Nope, nope. He wanted out of the Marvel franchise and... He, he's definitely out. He's definitely not Tony Stark anymore. Uh, yeah, Knives Out is a lot of fun. So if you have even the slightest inkling of thinking that I kind of like a good murder mystery, this is an, an extremely entertaining one. Okay, well, I'll have to remember that. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton else to say. I, I could go into other completely unrelated stuff, but nah, let's let Phil go. Good, because I'm just full of unrelated stuff. Uh, so, 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 so you might remember Mike uh, a while back because uh, we have. In case you guys don't know, we have a dedicated Discord server where you can go and chat. And on that Discord chat server, we have dedicated rooms, and we have one for the CRPG Club. And Mike had brought up to me either through that or through private chat that um, that another website uh, had made a, a forum post with like their top 100 PC RPGs of all time. It was pretty exhaustive, and and so I basically went through it one at a time, and I put it onto a spreadsheet. Mike, I then did a little bit of tweaking because I say most of those games I I own. Uh, some of them would mention one game in a series, and if I was playing a game, I would probably want to touch. On some of those games, I'd want to touch either all the games in the series or at least the games within that trilogy. Because, uh, like, with, for example, if you're talking, like, Ultima, I don't think it's necessary to start with Ultima 1 to get a handle on things. But if you're going to play, you know, uh, Ultima 6, you might want to play 4 and 5. 
Well, if you're going to start, if you're going to do the whole Ultima series, you have to play a Calabeth before that anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, Might and Magic's also kind of famous for that, right? The, there's there's games that hook together, uh, Clouds of Zine and Dark Side of Zine come together to form Worlds of Zine, and that's like a trilogy. So if you're going to play it, you know, just play one or the other. But you don't need to go and do Wizardry 1 or Wizardry 7 to enjoy that. Uh, Wizardry 7, 8, 9 were kind of a trilogy, but 9 was a burning pile. Anywho... I digress, but so I took that list, I put it on a spreadsheet, I then tweaked it a bunch. I noticed that they did, we were, I don't think they were really big on like, I think it was action RPGs or something, so I added some of those in there, and I have come up with a new mega list, and that's going to be kind of like my guide map, and we start off with the 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 bottom 100 games to work our way up to to number one, so... Which is funny enough, I, it's it's a game, the number one game is a game I, I really haven't gotten into, and it's never really hooked me, and I don't think it would be my number one game, but maybe I'll change my mind once I play it. You know what that game is, Mike? Was it off of that RPG site list, or up, mm-hmm. was it RPG Codex? Yeah. And there... I just ask you because it's like a well, it's like if you ask a lot of people what their favorite PC RPG is of all time, it's pretty common. There was no surprise was it there. Torment? It was. No. Yep, okay, yeah, that was it, right on the nose. Uh, there were some. I think one of the things I liked about the list, though, is that there were plenty of entries that were outside the box. Uh, there was also a couple of blind spots I thought were no-brainers, but there was definitely some good outside-the-box things. So I've kind of combined them into a new list. I think that's what I'm going to be work on for, for picking my next 100 or so games I work through and, and keep you all updated at the CRPG Club, so go and check that out. Well, that should take us all the way to the middle of the next decade or so. Oh, no, well past that. Are you kidding? The way I play games? Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, it's going to go on. But and then it doesn't help that I get distracted by certain other things. So uh, I did... Wait I did a s- minute. Aren't you... Pl- are you not playing Monster Hunter right now? Are you instead playing something else on the Switch? Yeah, I, I think you were even forewarning people that you were going to be talking about this thing that... If Mr. Apps was here, he would chime in and say that you should have been playing more of them all along because they're just so awesome, right? Well, I know what he's about to talk about, and I'm a big fan of that series, too, so I can sub in for Mr. Apps. No, I haven't, okay. played, I haven't played this yet. It is, it is a scarlet mark on my record, Mike, that I have put Monster Hunter aside for another game on my Switch. Is it a game with a, an Akitoshi Kawazu somewhere in the credits? Possibly. I should pay attention to credits at some point. But, Kelly, well, do, do you know that name? Kawazu? Well, yes, I do. It is the person that did Final Fantasy 2. I, I the, think that was pretty far back. I think that person has gone on and done a lot of other things in the interim, right? It's Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the Crystal Bears. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, I think he did Final Fantasy 2 also. Hmm. Way back. There's your, yes, there's yes. your history then, then lesson. Then he started to do something. Let's see. Final Fantasy Legend, which was a a retitling for marketing purposes across the ocean because they were originally something called Saga. Is, does this sound correct? Mm. Yes. Yes. So Saga, Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions. I don't even know who comes up with these names, though. I just, I, it just, I, it sounds like you just you have like this bowl of random names and adjectives and whatever, and you just pull shit out. I mean, that's and, a lot of Japanese titles to be for. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. 
But this, so this game, uh, this is this is a really pretty darn fun game, um, and 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 it's it's definitely hooked me a lot better than Romancing Saga Two did. You might remember my rant after playing that one that I was not too happy with that one at all. Uh, this one, it, it really feels like one of those. If you've ever played one of those role playing game board games. Where, you know, it's more, instead of like being a and d pen and paper where your DM has kind of come up with everything and you're organically telling a story between each other, the board games tend to feel like uh, there's not usually a DM, sometimes there is, but it's more about moving your characters around a map, you pull cards, events happen, there'll be some decisions you make. Sometimes they're RPG-like decisions, like do you spare this person or whatever have you, and there'll be some some different consequences for that. You might get gold or a magic item or a debuff or a permanent change to your character. Uh, it's it's all in the in how that game is set up and, and in the cards and and dice rolls come into play a lot of times. And usually, all these board games have a decent some sort of RPG-like combat system, and your character will have some sort of stats that you can level up over the time well that's that's this song but this is on steroids this is you know you, you pick a character there is a setup there is an overarching plot story save the world i don't know i don't really care it, it wasn't it wasn't nothing earth shattering uh but but the game itself it's like here's a whole bunch of icons on a map and they're beautifully drawn it, it, it looks like almost like japanese style rice paper stuff it's just kind of like a pop-up book it's just very beautiful, especially on television and docked mode on a high contrast TV. Holy cow. Like I played it in, in handheld at first uh, after I downloaded it. But then the next day I put on my TV and holy shamoli, does it look good. Uh, just so, so colorful, just beautiful colors. Um, but as you move around the map, uh, different events will activate that you can participate in. Most of them are, are some sort of fight and it'll tell you the difficulty, what kind of you know elemental background, battleground there is. Um, and then you pick which characters from your group you want to use to, because you can only take five with you in a battle, and you, you have at it. On top of the combat system is super cool and deep. Uh, it'll show all your characters at the bottom and what order they're going to attack you, but as you're picking your choices, it might move your character up and down. Plus, some of the actions you do can slow down the enemy and move them further down. By pushing them around a lot, you can set up combos, because when you eliminate an enemy, if that enemy is between, let's say, two characters on his left and two characters on his right on the timeline, and now there's no enemy in between them, so those four kind of come together like uh, like the whatever, they just they touch together now, they'll get a united attack. And they'll go in and do buku damage. And sometimes that'll kill another enemy who is in between some people on the timeline. And that will lead to another united attack like Domino. So if you're planning ahead and Lady Luck is smiling on you, you can just you can just have a good old time. And just have all kinds of people wiping out fun. That's on top of the fact that there's normal weaknesses. Different monsters are weak to different types of attacks that you got to take into account. Uh, spell casting is a bit risky in this because it takes a round or two. And if you get interrupted, you've lost it. But if you can pull it off, the, the spells are very powerful. Um, all of your characters are sharing for a pooled resource of action points uh, with every fight that starts off at four and escalates every round until you have more points. So there's a lot of strategy. Do you want to use one, one or two characters with really powerful attacks or use a bunch of light attack from different characters? If characters aren't taking attacks, they're defending automatically. There's just so much strategy to this combat system that doesn't even feature really moving around on a battleground at all. Uh, I'm just impressed with the, with the level of depth uh, from a combat system that doesn't figure uh location into account because normally for me that's the payoff of playing tactical rpgs that they have a lot of strategy and i've always criticized jrpgs for just being attack attack heal that will get you nowhere in sega star of the graces uh you the, the combat is pretty beefy 
Uh, the game can be pretty challenging. So, and even on the normal grunt fights, that could be a little bit, you know, just just dial it in. There's always bonus objectives that if you clear those, you'll get extra materials. And some materials are only gathered through that process. So every, even the simple combat, you're probably trying to pick your brain a bit and seeing how you can meet those criteria that it has. Uh, so you can get it, – it's an excellent, excellent system. I could go on and on, and maybe one day we'll do a backtrack on it. But it's so far, I've put four or five hours into it. It's, it's completely got me hooked. I haven't run into the... I've played some saga games in the past, and I usually at some point hit a wall where I get a little frustrated because I don't know where to go next to kind of keep things moving. But... but but uh, And I did kind of run into that a little bit early on, and I tweeted uh, Mr. Apps, and he's like, oh, you got to use the Phoenix Feather. Maybe you missed the tutorial message on that or something. And I did see it, use it, but apparently I use it in every land. And once I did that... Because it's a, an item you get early on, depending on which on the character I picked. Because you get to pick from four different characters. Um, once I did that, it was like, oh my gosh, the, the game is open world. I mean, sand games usually are, but holy crapola. You just open up one land after another, after another. And whether you stop and do all these little events, you stop at some of these places and just grind. Or you just want to push through and see how far you can get before you get overwhelmed. That the game just lets you do it. It takes a little while to get going, but holy crap once it gets firing in all the cylinders uh it is good it is addictive uh oh boy it's just it's really bad i should be playing other things and i'm not so yeah uh we'll see if that that keeps up or if i hit that that wall at some point but it's it's pretty cool and pretty satisfying i've said this before like for me personally everyone's got their thing for me if the story's not great but everything underneath the hood is awesome i'm gonna have a good time and that's what that's what this is um it's just it does have some dialogue. It does have some story. It's fine. It's it's actually looks like it's translated pretty well. Blah blah blah. But I just I just want to go on and and see how powerful my group can get and what lands I can open up next and what weird events this game's gonna pull off its ass because there's some weird shit in here. Some really weird shit. So it's got me so excited that I'm actually considering getting Romance and Saga three, even though Romance and Saga two just really wasn't was just a little two out there for it. I've heard that three is a little bit better and follows kind of the more traditional saga story where you can pick from several different characters and view their story from their perspective. Yeah, you know, two, two, what bugged me so much about two, there's a couple things, but one is, of course, it's an old school game, and but it, it, it tries to do a lot like Sega Scarlet Graces does, but Saga Scarlet Graces does a pretty darn good job of informing you how it works it doesn't show all of its cards if you want to if you want to figure out how to unlock this one super top secret skill or get this one npc you know there's a lot there's enough hidden stuff in there but as far as the base rules of the game uh and how your characters level up and all that other jazz it's it's got it's got a really big manual help file or whatever underneath the hood and you can access it at any time. There's there's really little reason to go look up a fact unless you're just trying to figure out how to how to you know cheat this subquest or whatever. But um, but with two with Romancing Saga two, I kept running into issues. Well, like, how in the hell does this generation system work and the class system and who inherits what? It was just it, they try to do so much in that game, and it's a Super Nintendo game, and 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 the mechanics underneath the hood are never explained too well. Um, so you don't know if you're really making good decisions or bad decisions and things like that. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that it was trying to tell an epic story of generation after generation, which sounds really cool on paper. Dragon Quest V, I love it for telling its generational stories, but it just falls flat on its face when, for me, when 
I talk to an NPC and she's like, oh, you got to save my son. He's trapped in a well. And then my character dies. And when your main character dies in that game, you the, 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 the game passes it on to the next heir, right? Who's mm-hmm. going to be 20 years in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 15 at the <laughs> medieval standards. But then I go back and say, help my son. He's trapped in a well. I'm like, he's got to be dead by now. <laughs> and <laughs> there would be certain things that would transition on, but very few. And, and don't get me wrong. Dragon Quest certainly wasn't perfect in that regard. Um, but it, it, it felt like Dragon Quest V hit a lot more than it missed as far as like people moving on when the generation thing happened. Whereas in this game, eh, it, it, it sounds like Tra- Dragon Quest did a little bit better job of making it a smoother transition to the generations versus this is like, well, you're dead. Time to move on to the next generation. Well, it was an intrinsic part of a five story, whereas here it's more of a game mechanic. Like, oh, your character's dead. So now some traits pass on to the next one, raise up the new party or whatever. And that's kind of in a way that's saga, right? Saga focuses more on the mechanics and the meta than it does mm-hmm. on the story. But in Romancing Saga 2, there is some story there. And when you have quests that feel timely like that, it just ends up being a disconnect. For me, anyways, when it's over and over again, I just want to... It just felt weird. But, anywho, maybe maybe three's better. I've heard a lot of exciting things about Romancing Saga 3. Um, so I'm very tempted because, dang nabbit, Saga Scarlet Graces is just so much fun. Ah. Uh, and it, it's definitely I, my favorite saga game so far if if it holds up like it has the first five hours um i have been curious about ro- romancing saga 3 since you guys did a backtrack on saga like ages ago and i think it was Adri- adrian van houten that went through uh the plots of the various romancing saga games hmm. and i don't think i don't think that was adrian maybe it was someone else that would have probably been either michael baker or michael apps yeah, one of the two um, went through that the pod of three and was talking about how there's a, an eclipse that kills all the firstborns, but one survives, and then 300 years later, another eclipse happens that kills all the firstborns, but then another survives, and eat good and evil and all of that, and th- that story just sounded so cool to me, and I've wanted to play the Romancing Saga 3 for years because of it. Wow. But... Up until now, there's not really been a good translation. Huh. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out for you. You can you can play it by character. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I got time. No, I've, but... I've, I mean, I bought it first day just because it was on uh, um, on sale, and I had a bunch of Nintendo points to spend. <laughs> but um, I just okay. need to get, have time to play it because my life is devoted to uh, Trails right now. Well, that's an epic story. Thank you for sharing that. I, that's exciting yeah. uh, to hear that. And if you guys have a backtrack story like that, let us know. Because uh, that's pretty cool to know. Um, makes me glad we do this. Uh, that's exactly why we do this. Uh, yeah, you guys, you guys used to tune me into a lot of games when I was a listener and not a contributor yet. All right. Well, and that's why I do this, because there's times I just listen to you guys, and it's like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm going to go check that out. Um, I mean, hell, the, the only reason I was so up on Saga is because Mike, uh, Mike Laps kept talking to me about it. He's like, oh, you gotta play this, you really gotta do this. So I'm like, I don't know, Mike, Romancing Saga 2 left me, uh, left me disappointed. And like, oh, no, this one's much better, it's, uh, you know, it's like 20 years, I mean, they're talking about tw- 20 years of lessons learned, you know, it's, it's a much better game. You, so, and him and I don't disagree on a whole lot, and sure enough, it's been, been a blast. 
Speaking of recommendations, I think it was Matt who told me about Infinite Adventures. So I've also been plugging away at that. That's a dungeon crawler that's kind of inspired by Edrian Odyssey. In fact, if you play it, you'll see a lot of uh, Edrian Odyssey influence there. Uh, and, uh, you know, the graphics aren't quite as good, but it's only $15. It's a smaller, much smaller development team, I think. But uh, but it's got a lot of charm, and the gameplay seems pretty tight so far. I, I put quite a bit of time into it. Matt said it was a good game. He reviewed it, I believe, for the site. And, uh, and so far, I'm enjoying that. So I'll keep plugging through and let y'all know what I think on some sort of CRPG club in the future. But the last thing I want to mention... I'm totally being off the tracks here. Is is a game I ran into on a black on Black Friday sale on Steam called uh, Guji and Three, and um, uh, Guji and Three, and it's uh, it's it, it describes itself as a mass 3D single player RPG developed by Arogon Info and Tech Shanghai um, Chinese developed RPG, which normally would not really interest me. But uh, it was on Black Friday sale, and I saw on Steam. And one of the things Steam does really well is it tells you if your friends are playing something. And I saw my brother had put in 100 hours into this game. 100 hours. So I'm like, huh, let me reach out to him. And he's like, he's like, Phil, e- imagine, imagine, you know, Final Fantasy meets Jade Empire. That's what this game is. I'm like, that's a pretty high mark. You're combining two well-known uh, games there and that's that's you know series slash games and that's that's a bloody high mark he's like that's how good it is um so i went ahead bought it and downloaded it and holy cow it is a very very good first thing you'll notice is it's gorgeous if you've ever watched any chinese dramas asian dramas my wife watches them all the time the people always dress so beautifully in those things it's like even the peasants in these medieval time period towns look much better than any of us ever will. I mean, they always look fantastic. They're just dressed to the nines. And everybody in this game looks like that. The, the attention to detail and the character models is just uh, astounding. And the backgrounds and everything are very beautiful as well. Wouldn't look out of place in a high-end PlayStation 3 um, RPG. I don't know if it's really, you know, current generation up there. I wouldn't put it up there with Horizon Zero Dawn, but it's it's pretty darn well designed. Lots of attention to detail. Very pretty uh, in a lot of areas. Uh, the combat uh, is like Jade Empire. It's an action, kind of an action RPG system. You got a couple of teamers who are kind of there to be little damage sponges to a degree and whatever sometimes. But for the most part, you're fighting by yourself and you're dodging and you're blocking and you're using magic attacks and a stamina meter and all this stuff that if you played uh, Jade Jade Empire. Yeah, Jade Empire. It's 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 pretty much that, but just with obviously updated and better graphics. And yet, it has, like, the one thing you think wouldn't work well here is probably the story uh, and the translation, but so far, it's, I I will say, like, it it doesn't, it it doesn't grab me by the nose hairs to keep me pulling, but it's pleasantly well done. I'd say it's a pleasant, pleasant surprise. It's not blowing me away, but... um, it's it's mystical and there's demons involved and angels and fairies and it's stuff out that's kind of out in left field. There's a little bit of a twist in there at the beginning, so nothing earth shattering, but pretty cool. Different. I think the cool thing about this is it's so different. After playing so many Japanese style RPGs and Western style RPGs, we kind of know what to expect from these stories. Uh, you know, there are various qualities out there. We know what a good Western RPG is going to be like. We know what a mediocre and bad one is going to be like. Safety, but 
with the Chinese RPG, you just don't know what the hell you're going to get into, including getting a, a what looks like a giant, not giant, a, maybe a large gopher sidekick and and who helps you fish and play a board game later on. Why? Because Chinese. That's why. Um, but, but, but it's, you know, it's got pretty good reviews. Uh, a lot of people like it on Steam. And that's despite the fact, I will say, like, there is one thing that I have to warn everybody about before you rush out and, and buy this guy, um, is, is that, uh, it does have this freaking DRM from hell in the form of you have to be on the internet when you save, you're actually saving to their cloud servers. So for some odd reason, that's not working too well. Your game will disconnect. Normally, I don't tolerate that kind of bull crapola in my single player experiences. But if someone came out of the blue and said, Phil, there's a game that is as beautiful and as you know well put together as any epic Final Fantasy game, but with combat that plays like, you know, Jade Empire, but better. Uh, more Because now we're like a generation or two ahead, so it should be more fluid and all. It does all of that. Uh, and it has a deep character growth system. And it has really cool subsystems and meta things going on. Uh, I, I, you know, I might be willing to put up with that. I put up with it for StarCraft and uh, Diablo 3. Uh, and to help sweeten the pot a bit, because that's a bit of a downer for a lot of people, including myself... The game only retails at thirty dollars. You're getting a, uh, you know, an epic one hundred hour RPG is thirty dollars. And if you're like me, you got a Black Friday sale. You paid like less than ten, and I'm sure it'll go on sale again if you're thirty dollars. But um, I, I, you know, I think for that, I'm willing to put up with the the save online DRM. They have a when you lo- now the mistake I made was I don't know where it happened. I didn't even know it saved up in the cloud. It I didn't read the small print. I don't know where that's at. I didn't know till my brother told me. But I did notice the second time that I played the game on Steam, it said, you know, something about Chinese or English. And I'm thinking to myself, or America. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, but I played the, I don't remember picking this before and it's defaulting to Chinese, which is silly. I didn't play the game in Chinese. They speak in Chinese, but there's subtitles throughout the whole thing. Um, but it's English subtitles. Uh, when I changed that in a game anyways, it turns out I was actually picking a server. And somewhere the first time in, I had picked Chinese, China. And instead of United States. So I need to start the game over because unfortunately there's no way to take your state game from one server to the other. And you really want to be on the U.S. server because it's more stable and it's closer. So I've only put a couple hours in. My brother keeps telling me, look, it's a 100-hour RPG. Do the couple hours over again so you have the more stable server. Hell, the U.S. server is more stable for him and he lives in Indonesia. So hmm. go figure. Um, so uh, it's something completely different. If you're looking for something completely outside the box... It's reviewed really well. It's high quality uh, and everything. Uh, the first few hours I put into it, I didn't have any bugs, no crashes, uh, no problems, and it played really smooth. It actually pushed my computer a bit, um, and and, and my, my computer's a bit older, so. Uh, but that's I, I don't feel like it was an optimization issue. I really feel like, no, the game just looks that good. <laughs> um, so I, I can't wait to get some 100 free hours in my life between you know, Romance and Saga and Saga Scarlet Graces and Monster Hunter and CRPG Club to, to go and check this out because uh, it, it, it seems really, really cool. So, and if anybody's played it, uh, I'd love to hear from y'all about it. I, I get the feeling it's not something that reviewers and people are rushing uh, to go and play. It's been out for almost a year and I listen to a lot of YouTubers and podcasts and, and read websites and I this, this completely slipped underneath my radar. Uh, so I was totally surprised by this. I, I just, I took one glance and said, oh, Chinese RPG, meh, 
and and just moved on until I saw my brother had put in a hundred hours. And he's not Chinese. He doesn't he doesn't do Chinese things. So I was like, how did you? Sp-? It's all subtitle, bro. Oh, is it worth reading? So sub- I'm not a big fan of reading subtitles in my epic RP. Oh no, bro, this is really good. So if nothing else, go and check out the screenshots. Watch some videos there are uh, on Steam or on YouTube. Uh, and see what you're missing out on because it's really cool. I shared some of that. Again, if you hang out with us at the RP Gamer Discord channel, I share some of that there. And some of our some of our peeps over there were like, "What the hell is? This? Oh my gosh, that is pretty! Wow!" And and kind of surprised some people there. So, yeah. Anywho, that's uh, that's it for all of my side tracking. Um, I am going to take a moment to remind everybody listening that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, home to the best gaming community on the net. Head over to RPGamer.com and let us know what you think over on our podcast section. Always leave your comments on the latest show, even if you're listening to older shows, and we'll read them here on the air. Alternatively... The thing is, it doesn't show us if there are comments on older episodes, and we don't manually go back to look at them very much, if at all. I've I think I've done it once, and I don't do it often because it it's not a whole lot of fun, and it's very time-consuming. So please don't count on us reading something for an older episode. We're unlikely to see it. Yeah, don't be that guy. Uh, so, <laughs> you can also hit us up at Twitter, uh, Mr. Meekies at Jumaysin. That's J-U-M-E-S-Y-N. I'm at J.C. Servant. It spells just the way it sounds. Uh, or you can hit us all up. Just tweet at RP Gamer. One of us is bound to get it and forward it on. Uh, but but yeah, let us know what you think and share share your tale a trails of moment. What was your trails of moment? <laughs> I well, feel like de- that, that that's a commercial. We'll definitely have to pencil in a trails the third episode next season. That that is awesome. Uh, Do we have seasons next uh, uh, in the future? And hmm. Well, to, to all of the to Joshua and 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 Cassandra and 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 Relly, thank you all so much for being on here. Appreciate it. Always appreciate having you all on. And we're gonna let Mister Miki put us to bed. I'm going to take the absence of axes for any of your characters in Fire Emblem Echoes as an inspiration, and say, don't chop down your own tree this Christmas. Just don't do it. Get an artificial one or. I don't know. Use an old tree. Use a tree in the yard, but don't break out an axe. Or if you must cut down a tree, use a saw. That's it. 